Mutation. It is the key to our evolution. It has enabled us to evolve from a single-celled organism into the dominant species on the planet. This process is slow, normally taking thousands and thousands of years. But every few hundred millennia, evolution leaps forward. Silman Fusion, beginning in five, four, three, Hey, we should take a What? Think about it. Uh, yeah, I'll let you know when my schedule frees up. It's brightest day. It's blackest night. No evil shall escape my sight. I am Catwoman. Meow. Don't make me angry. You wouldn't like me when I'm angry. Can Batman escape? One hint. The worst is yet to come. It's DC, uh, Marvel versus DC, the final frontier is what I want to call this one. Because it's going to be the only. Well, that's good- what we're calling because we've already started the episode. You know, I'm opening with that. No, we aren't. Yeah. We're opening with you saying, <laughs> motherfucker. That's, yeah. that's how this episode's opening. We're going. Gosh, dude, what's we're in there. <laughs> well, it is the final comic book episode that we're going to do. So it's the final frontier. And, and hopefully, because we've assembled such a good panel, it should be the Incredibly best. Incredibly comic- long. Well, it'll be incredibly long, but hopefully it'll be incredibly good, too. A nice, healthy discussion on comic books. And hopefully Mike doesn't, you know, forget to record the last half hour of the episode. I'm recording now. (laughs) If anybody else wants to record along along the way. I'm recording. I'm just just throwing that at you. It's recording now. It's just we have to remember if the Skype call ends. Uh, I'm still, well, yes, because I will have to restart recording. See, because it says, hey, do you want to record? It just pops right up. And I go, oh, yeah. Click, click. But anyway. Welcome to Geek Fights, the Ponzi scheme of podcasting. I'm Damon Shaw. With me, as always, is Mr. Mike Ortiz. Mike, what are we fighting about? Well, uh, as we uh, close in on the end, uh, we are revisiting uh, one of the, the big topics. It's Marvel versus DC, The Final Frontier. So who's joining us tonight? Well, with us this evening, we've got Jason Thompson. Uh, hello. Brian Townsend. Da 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 I was hoping you would do the whole song, but that's all right. And Mr. Paul Kowalski. Hey, good evening. So uh See, now we've done this topic so many times. People are like, you've run it into the ground, but we actually have it. Mike, how does it work this time around? Well, this time it's a little bit different. It's not a, a showdown. Uh, this is a regular uh, Marvel versus DC bracket, but it's not characters. It's storylines. It's runs. It's things like that. So it's the best stories, comics that Marvel has to offer against the best that DC has to offer. And uh, we're going to find out which one's the best. And of course, we'll be wrong. <laughs> we are always wrong because there's always somebody who goes, wait, no, that wasn't stupid. I liked that thing. 
that's one of my favorite things of all time. And it turned me on to this thing, which made me an even bigger, bigger fan of this thing. And it's a big snowball effect. So we're always wrong. Mike, this first fight is yours. Uh, you're going to be wrong on this one. It is Age of Apocalypse versus Avengers Disassembled. Uh, I'm going to vote for Age of Apocalypse. Uh, I like both of these stories. I think Age of Apocalypse gets a a bad rap. Um, I think that that many of the issues, I think the X-Men issues, because this was not a specific miniseries. This was several miniseries. It was really kind of a whole reboot of, of everything, alternate universe thing like Age of Ultron. Um, but uh, not all, and every book got renamed and retitled. And, you know, that's kind of where all this began. And uh, some of the books I thought were fantastic. And I thought the storyline overall was really good. And I, I enjoyed it a great deal. Uh, Avengers Dissembled also. I mean, but that one, that, you know, ultimately that led into House of M, which led into this, which led into that. And, and kind of the fact that it was just the beginning of, of something that is really kind of not ended yet. Uh, Sometimes that, that sort of takes away from a little, a little bit for me. So I'm going to go for Age of Apocalypse because at least back then they ended it. They brought it back recently, but they knew how to end a story then. Uh, vote for Age of Apocalypse. Yeah, I'm voting for Age of Apocalypse too. Um, it's the reason I read comics. It's the reason I met Mr. Ortiz. It's the reason I watched Star Trek. Uh, Age of Apocalypse is a linchpin in my life. And uh, my favorite part about the Age of Apocalypse was number one issues might have been labeled number one, but it was very clear that there was a history to that universe and we were picking it up at issue 175 or 115 or 112, whatever it was. We were just picking up that story midstream. And I, I really did like that about the Age of Apocalypse. Uh, so I'm voting for Age of Apocalypse. Jason? Uh, you know, I like both of these. And they're a good example of the two, type of, two types of events Marvel likes to do. The uh, what-if alternate universe type stuff in Age of Apocalypse and the let's just throw everything at everybody type of event in uh, Avengers disassembled. But, uh, I, I enjoyed age of apocalypse a lot and I didn't even know it got a bad rap. A vote for age of apocalypse, Brian. Oh, uh, well, um, I'm going to be voting for uh, Avengers disassembled age of apocalypse was when I, well, when the uh, things started crack started to crack for me and my and my love of Marvel, um, it was it's it's just too much and it was just too long and I look back at it and I and I really had problems with the look of the book and a lot of the stuff that was going on. It's just too much for me. Whereas even though you know you say House of uh, uh, Avengers disassembled spawned House of M and all of this other stuff that's going on. For me, it was kind of a self-contained story. It was it in and of itself was was pretty much self-contained. The ramifications are still being felt, but you know, I really liked House of um, Avengers disassembled better. Plus, I like the fact that they came back in that story and took something that somebody had done in a previous story and flipped it on its head and, and turned it into something that was so significant, the whole thing with the Scarlet Witch. So I'm going for Avengers Disassembled. Paul? Uh, I'm also going to have to go with Avengers Disassembled. Um, if for no other reason than Age of Apocalypse, I think coming on the following up with uh, 
after Days of Futures Past, which for me is like the the ideal like X Men alternate future story, I think that sort of at a really high bar, and I don't think Age of Apocalypse came close, although it sort of evoked, you know, similar sort of ideas. So I'm gonna have to go with the Avengers. Uh, vote for Avengers, and uh, the Extinction Agenda is what followed. Uh, uh, wait, Extinction Event uh, Agenda? What else? There's like seven or eight things that come in between those things in the X Men universe. But Age of Apocalypse is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Uh, this one is a difficult one. It is Whedon's, Joss Whedon's Astonishing X-Men. For those of you that are Whedonites and didn't know, Joss Whedon did a 26-issue run on Astonishing X-Men. Isn't it 26, Mike? Or is it 27? I have no idea. It's two uh, large hardcovers. Two large hardcovers versus Grant Morrison's new X-Men. Three large uh, hardcovers. Uh, I know how Brian's gonna vote on this one, but I know, I know, I know how I'm gonna vote on this one. He, <clears throat> Astonishing X Men felt like X Men to me, and it was fine, and it was just X Men. Uh, it didn't feel special or new or anything like that. Uh, love it or hate it, Grant Morrison on New X Men, he created new characters, he basically completely changed the X Men universe, which they've now changed back, but. That, that X-Men universe was very specific, and he killed Jean Grey. And as far as I know, Jean Grey is still dead in the Marvel Universe almost 15 years later. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with uh, new X-Men. Jason? Uh, I'm also going to go with Morrison's X-Men. Not only did I put Morrison on the list, but I, I just I didn't like Wayden's X-Men. In fact, uh, between... His X-Men run and Firefly, this was this, the beginning of the end for me and uh, Mr. Wade. And, uh, not to mention, Morrison's X-Men run is just fucking amazing. Uh, vote for Morrison's X-Men run. Brian? Tough call. Um, Morrison is the one who came up with, uh, what's her name, Cassandra Nova? Professor X's evil twin, right? Yes. Yeah, I really like that character. And that's about the only thing I liked about Morrison's run. Wheaton's run, um, I liked the whole concept of a sword. Um, I'm not particularly in love with either one of these, but I guess because I, like, I really like Cassandra Nova, I'll go with uh, Morrison. Uh, vote for the Morrison New X-Men run. Paul? You know, I'm also going to have to go with Grant Morrison. Um, I'm honestly kind of hit or miss with him. Sometimes I think, you know, he gets some really broad ideas and they don't necessarily pan out. Um, but I do like what he did here with the new X-Men. Again, it was the reinvention. Uh, and while that's not always good, I think it was pretty, pretty decent in this case. So I'll give him the nod over Joss Whedon. Mike, is it a clean sweep? Uh well, uh, no, I'm, uh, even though I, I agree with everything everybody said, I think this is one of the um, when does something deserve a, a clean sweep. And uh, while, while I love Grant Morrison's X-Men, and I will, I'm glad to espouse about it later, um, I, I think we have to give a little bit of love here to, to Whedon's Astonishing X-Men. I thought it was fantastic. Um, I, it's certainly a lot more fun and enjoyable than Morrison's run. Um, and that's really kind of what, what defined it. It was, it was kind of a... A, a bright spot in, in kind of a, a long sort of dark X-Men history. Um, it evoked all the stuff that, that made it, the X-Men great in the first place. John Cassidy was at his absolute best. 
Um, but the thing with Kitty, you know, merging with the bullet as it passes through the planet. I mean, that's big fucking epic stuff. He had the Fantastic Four in there. I mean, it was a great monumental run, and it deserves a little bit more than being swept aside uh, so easily, even though Grant Morrison's new X-Men was better. And new X-Men, Grant Morrison's new X-Men is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Jason, this one is yours. It is the Galactus Trilogy. Those are issues 49, 50, and 51 of Fantastic Four, right? Isn't those, aren't those the three issues, Mike? Uh, 48, 49, 50. Oh, 48, 49, 50. Sorry. I apologize. Uh, versus the Ed Brubaker run on Captain America. Uh, another really easy fight. <laughs> uh, I mean, I first of all, I like Brubaker's cap run. I One of my choices was almost Winter Soldier. And then I saw that the whole run was up there. I was just like, okay, well, Winter Soldier was in there. Uh, but the Fantastic Four take on God... I mean, he's got a big G on his belt. I mean, who else is he supposed to be? Crap. Uh, I don't have a whole lot of love for the Fantastic before, but I, I'm not going to vote vote against this one, right? At least not in the first round. Uh, vote for the Galactus Trilogy. Uh, Brian? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I like Blue Breaker's run better. But at this point, I get you got to consider the effect that the Galactus run had on Marvel Comics specifically and comics in general. I mean, people always talk about the Galactus character and and how you know it, it affected it had and how they dealt with that and all of that kind of stuff. And so I'm going to vote for it begrudgingly. I can be swayed if somebody's got an argument. Now is the time. Uh, Paul, uh, now is not the time quite yet. I, I don't have uh, a good argument against the basically the legacy of what the Galactus trilogy produced. Um, it, it, again, it, it, epic on every scale. I'm not a huge fan of a lot of like the cosmic villain angles, but I thought this one was great. Uh, Galactus, more love for Galactus, Mike. Give us a little history on Galactus run. Wow. <laughs> I was not expecting uh, expecting this. Um, I thought uh, I thought this was going to be one that was uh, where the the old thing was actually going to lose. But that I I am going to vote for the Galactus trilogy. Also, um, what kind of history do you want? It's a it's the first appearance of Galactus uh, in the Marvel Universe, the Silver Surfer. It's Stanley and Jack Kirby. Isn't it also like the first three issue story? No, no, I'm sure no. Okay, and, and and you know the one of the, it's it it actually kind of like starts sort of in the middle of issue forty eight. And then it sort of tra- trails off. I mean, it really wasn't carved out as its own thing until much, much later. But uh, it's the high point of the Fantastic Four, of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee's run on the Fantastic Four. And uh, I'm, I'm glad to see it getting some love. But seriously, Brubaker's Captain America is awesome. <laughs> Are you going to vote for Brubaker's Cap? Uh, just no, because I, I want the Fantastic Four to move on. So you're, you're like, I'm solidifying it. Even if Brian changes his goddamn mind. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to vote for the Brubaker Captain America run. Uh, it is fantastic. Uh, I, I would actually say it might be the all-time best Captain America run. At least it, it is for me. Uh, I, I liked Wade's first Captain America, Mark Wade's first Captain America run. It was, it was fun. Uh, but this really, it really did feel like I was reading a spy novel. Like, oh, or, you know, a spy. And he was a super soldier. He, he was, 
He could do all kinds of super secret agent things. Uh, it was kind of amazing. I loved him for it. Uh, so, yeah, I, I've got to give some love to Brubaker Cap. He killed Captain America, goddammit. Nobody else killed Captain America. He brought Captain back America. Bucky. He brought back yeah, I was Bucky. Say, he did something that at the time was probably impossible. Not uh, only I mean, he brought back Bucky in a way that was like, oh, yeah, I buy that. The Russians? Yeah. The Russians did In a that? way that's going to be in yeah. the next movie. Fuck yeah. yeah! I'm still voting for. Oh, yeah, it's, 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 it's a totally, it's totally, completely an awesome run of Captain America comics. And if it was up against anything else, I could probably vote for it. Except we're talking about the Galactus run, which, like you, Mike said, introduced the Silver Surfer and pretty much set in, in stone what Marvel comics were going to be like into the '70s, which is pretty much the reason why Marvel comics eventually became the juggernaut that it is in terms of popular opinions and, and comic book fans and how they feel about it. And that's yeah. one of the problems with having a whole run against a story. I almost changed the fantastic four to the whole run, but the run weakens by the end. And I think that happens with Brubaker too. I think once, once captain America comes back to life, his, his run kind of takes a nosedive. Although the Falcon was pretty sweet, but uh, not, not bad. I mean, it just certainly hit the story that he wanted to tell that big spy story was done. And it, he wasn't quite as good with the superheroine. Uh, the Galactus Trilogy is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Brian, this one is yours. It is Thor, God of Thunder, which I think is the current run of Thor. Yes? No? I don't, I don't know. That's what it's called. Uh, versus uh, Mark Wade's current run on Daredevil. Isn't he still on Daredevil? Yep. Yeah. Oh, well... Um. The only one of these that I've read any of is Mark Ray's current run on Daredevil, and I appreciate it because it's it's kind of a change of pace from a lot of things that have been going on in the Marvel Universe for the past five or six years. So when it's one some, something that you uh, appreciate versus something you have no idea about, I'm going to go with the one I appreciate, so I'm going for Mark Wade. But I can be swayed. Uh, vote for Wade. Paul. Uh, I'm also going with Mark Wade's Daredevil run, uh, and this isn't so much a, it, you know, a, a thing on on Wade uh, as much as I'm not a huge fan of pretty much any of the incarnations of Thor all that much. It's just it's not even re refreshing it and renewing its popularity with the films and everything. It's it's just not my bag. So I'll take you know the street heroes in the Marvel universe over, you know, God's swing and hammers pretty much any time. Uh, another vote for Wade's Daredevil, Mike. Um uh, for me it's it's uh, going to be Thor God of Thunder. I think that uh Jason Aaron's uh Thor book right now is uh is possibly the best uh, of the Marvel now relaunches. Um, I mean, it is a big fucking epic cosmic Viking God battle, uh, three different Thors from three different time periods doing battle against, uh, a God slayer that's sworn to destroy all the gods in the universe. It's just a huge, big Ragnarok story. Uh, and I actually, I'm not a big fan of Wade's daredevil. I know it gets a lot of acclaim and it won, Eisner's and, and when I picked up the first issue, I was really excited because I liked this idea of this, you know, change of pace and, and instead of putting Daredevil through his paces like he'd been so many times before. But I remember in like the third issue, there's a point where Daredevil's tied up by Claw, which is a pretty traditional villain, and and he thinks to himself, you know, sometimes I miss the ninjas, and I realize so do I. That's really the only Daredevil I've liked 
was the stuff that's that's basically just been Frank Miller's Daredevil or a take on it. Um, I never liked Daredevil before that. So when Daredevil kind of throws back to old school Daredevil, it throws back to a Daredevil I don't really give a shit about. So Thor. Uh, yeah, a vote for Thor. I have not read a single issue of Thor, uh, God of Thunder. Uh, I have read, I read up to seven or eight on Wade's Daredevil. And, uh, yeah, Mike, you're, you're kind of right. It's one of those things where I don't, I don't like Daredevil. I like Matt Murdock and uh, I like the Matt Murdock that Frank Miller wrote. And then when he got reinvigorated with Kevin Smith coming on and then Bendis and Brubaker, I liked that Daredevil a lot. And uh, it fell short when, what's his name? God damn it. Who's the guy that came on after? Andy Diggle. Andy Diggle. God damn Andy Diggle. Andy Diggle took Daredevil into the fucking toilet. It was garbage for a good two, two, three years after those epic runs on Daredevil. Uh, I can't, and Wade's run, there's nothing wrong with it. It's just not the Daredevil I want to read. I don't care about Thor either, but I'm going to vote against Wade's run on Daredevil. Give me, give me gritty Daredevil again. That's what I want, fighting ninjas, uh, wearing nothing but his sunglasses. He's not even in a Daredevil costume. Got the fucking cane. I love that shit. Uh, Thor, God of Thunder gets a vote. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Jason. Which one is moving on through? Oh, okay. Well, first of all, I, I really do. I, I, I got to say, as much as I appreciated Jason Aaron prior to Marvel now and prior to him taking over Thor, I honestly didn't think he had this book in him. It, it's amazing. It's so friggin' huge. But at the same time, I've, I am a, a Daredevil fan, and it was for a long time, it almost became more sympathy. You just, sometimes you'd read an issue of Daredevil and you're just like, just Matt, just, just lay down, just lay down, buddy. It's, it's not going to get any better. And then Wade suddenly has him running around in a t-shirt that says, I'm not Daredevil. And it's strangely upbeat. And it, it, you know, you know, Matt's just trying to put a, put a happy face on the fact that you know he's been shit on for a good long time but at the same time it works it, it really does i and i i like the i like the art style i like everything i'm i'm a bit of a mark wade mark so i'm gonna vote for daredevil uh, although i you know thor god of thunder is really good mark wade's daredevil is going to lose in the next round of galactus trilogy we're on your next <laughs> Paul, this one is yours. This is fucked up. Two epic runs up against each other. We've got uh, the Claremont Burn X-Men, which is basically every X-Men story you as a layman has, have ever heard of comes pretty much out of the Burn uh, Claremont X-Men uh, versus Walt Simonson's Thor, which is the guy that made Thor Thor. Don't get me wrong. He was around before that, but uh, the Simonson run is epic. Uh, Paul, that one's all yours. Yeah, this is definitely, you know, legend versus legends, you know, <clears throat> in in a very early round matchup. It's the sort of thing you'd like to see come a little bit later, I guess. Um it's it comes down to personal preference for me. Again, I'm I'm not the hugest Thor guy and I mean that that the Claremont Byrne X-Men story is what I grew up with. Um that's that that's the X-Men I fell in love with and that's that's why I, I my view of like some of the later the later runs are just not, they just pale in comparison to it. So I got to go with Claremont and Burn. 
Uh, vote for Claremont and Burn. Mike. Many years ago at uh, the Chicago Comic Con, long before it was Wizard World Chicago, uh, it was me, my friend Tony Moretti, uh, this guy Dennis, I don't remember his last name, standing in the upper balcony while these this group of independent comic artists who had been basically trashing the hotel and fucking off the whole weekend were drunk and sort of ruining the lobby. They actually are one of the reasons that I think the Ramada never had the con back. Um, and they looked up at us because, you know, we were the typical uh, nerds at a comic book convention in like 1991 and yelled at us, what the fuck are you looking at, you facial, wear- facial hair wearing John Byrne worshiping motherfuckers? And we all kind of looked at each other and went, well, we all have beards and yeah, we all love John Byrne, so I guess he's right. And uh, the reason that I am a John Byrne worshiping motherfucker is the Uncanny X-Men run. So, Uncanny X-Men. A vote for Uncanny X-Men. I thought you were going to be a vote for the war. Uh, <laughs> I am not, I, I've said it, I said it on the earlier fight. I'm, I'm not a huge Thor fan. I never really have been. Um, I was an X-Men kid. Like most kids my age, now I'm 35, uh, the cartoon came out. You had all kinds of stuff. X-Men was the comic book of my childhood. Uh, if you were around my age and you read comics, odds are you were reading either X-Men or Spawn. Those were the big guns. Um, and all the architecture of the X-Universe, hell, uh, Claremont rode into, uh, into the mid-90s, early 90s? When did, when did his, uh, his run was, on X-Men was, leave? Uh, with, during the Jim Lee run. It was during the launch the Jim- of the book. Right, it was like issue four or five is when he left. Yeah, like he 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 his run is fucking epic on X Men. Everything you know about X Men basically comes out of that man's head. Uh, and yeah, he got crazy later on. Uh, what, what's what's the X Men book that they 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 gave him because they have to pay X-Men him X Men Forever. X Men Forever. Well, if you go and read t- the- <laughs> this, is what, what the book would have been like if I hadn't gotten fired ten years yeah. ago. Yeah, it's just craziness. It's epic craziness. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm I'm voting for uh, Claremont and Burns X Men. Uh, Jason, when you talk about two runs are j- just amazing. I I mean, and then I stopped to think about it, and each of them is only like three or four years long, so it's only about 30, 40 issues maybe each. And then you think about the gigantic footprint. Both, I mean, you got the Phoenix Saga, Kitty Pride, you know, the, I mean, there's so much that Claremont and Byrne added during their X-Men run. And then you turn over to Simonson, you know, Beta Ray Bill and uh, Frog Thor. Ah, <laughs> uh, God, I, I, I didn't even, I'm so swayable, but I'm going to vote for Thor. Uh I, I, I'm easily swayable, though. It's <laughs> so hard <laughs> to pick. That's what she said. Uh, vote for Thor. <laughs> Walt Simonson's Thor. Brian? Yeah, I'm going to vote for the uh, Thor run, primarily because not because I think it's going to win or I even feel that it's it's better than the Burn X-Men run at this point. But it, these two runs... On, on these two sets of characters is pretty much why you as a comic book fan or somebody who knows them from the movie is why you care about these characters. 
the burn X-Men, redefine the X-Men in a way that is, you know, pretty much what people who call themselves X-Men fan, ev- fans, everything you love about the X-Men comes from this run. And, and it, and everything you people who who know who love Thor today, just about everything about Thor came from the Simonson run. The the thing that sways me, that would sway me away from from Thor in this case would be that the X Men run has had a much 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 larger effect on comic books and popular culture, and so it's at my point it is the juggernaut bitch and in. So I'm not going to vote for it. I'm going to vote for Thor because the Thor run deserves as much recognition, except that it's not as popular a character. X-Men. The uh, Claremont Burn X-Men is moving on. We're on to our next fight. Mike, this one is yours. It is the epic 12-year run of Peter David on The Incredible Hulk versus The Devil Inside Out, uh, the Ed Brubaker story with Daredevil. Uh, this one's pretty easy. Um, I, I do uh, love the the Brubaker Daredevil, uh, much like the is at Captain America. They were both great runs. Uh, both had a similar problem, I think, of, of kind of running out of of, of steam. Um, again, that's one of the problems when when we put whole runs on here versus uh, specific stories. But there are two two different runs in this particular case, and one of them is huge and surprisingly does not really dip uh, much, in my opinion. Um, I don't. I don't know if there's been a character that's gone through as many changes as a care as the Hulk went through in Peter David's run, uh, starting off gray, turning into the the merged Hulk. Um, it's it's really just kind of the the biggest roller coaster ride the character's ever taken, and it was great kind of the whole time. Uh, great artist Dale Keown, Todd McFarlane. Um, who else was on that book? Gary Frank, um, Adam Kubert. You know, great, great stuff. Even even when he had his his story kind of yanked away for Heroes Reborn and he lost Bruce Banner, he found a way to keep the book interesting uh, and has one of the best final issues of any comic uh, that any writer's ever done. So, Peter David's Hulk. Uh, yeah, final issue, final page and panel. Uh, it, it's so good, you've already seen it, even if you've never read it, because it ended up in the fucking Avengers movie. That is how good... That last moment of the Peter David run is, and and it's basically Bruce Banner. They've got a heart monitor on him. They've got him tied up in a room, and they're waiting for him to get angry. Because uh, if he gets angry, they're gonna like tase him and shit and knock him out before he can turn into the Hulk. Blah blah blah. And he basically does do the, uh, you know, I'm always angry. I can control this shit now. And he, you know, turns into the Hulk and walks out of the room. And it's amazing. I love the shit out of it. Uh, everything I've ever known about the Hulk comes from that run. The only thing that I know, I know for a fact that the guys before did was he got hit by a gamma bomb. Every single little itty bitty piece of the Hulk that I know comes from the Peter David run. I love it to death. And and you've got, uh, don't, don't forget about the savage Bruce Banner. Uh, I, I love, I loved that. Uh, when when Bruce Banner Hulk, which is the smart Hulk, came out. Oh yeah, get, I forgot about that. that was if great. he got really, it was it. If he got really angry, he, when he would got change. angry. He turned into Banner. He would turn into Bruce Banner with the mind, mind of the Hulk. So it it, it was pretty awesome. Uh, I love the shit out of it. I'm gonna go with uh, Peter David Hulk run. Jason, I, I can't vote against Peter David's Hulk. Uh, the, 
if for no other reason, then I, I just have loved so much of Peter David's work in and out of comics. That's right. Peter David's the man. Brian? I could vote against Peter David's Hulk, except that it's up against a run in, in Daredevil that I'm not particularly in, in love with. Um, I liked a lot of Peter David's Hulk, but Peter David's Hulk wasn't my Hulk from my generation, which was, you know, stupid baby Hulk. I know nobody likes stupid baby Hulk anymore, but, you know, the first Hulk in the, in the Defenders was the Hulk that I loved. And then the Hulk in the 60s who was evil and, and needed to be contained and in bad animation from, you know, Canada. That was the Hulk that I loved. So I would vote for that, but I can't vote for that. And the closest thing I have to that is Peter David. So I will vote for Peter David. Uh, vote for the Peter David Hulk. Paul, is it a clean sweep for Peter David's Hulk? Uh, it is a clean sweep. It is. Uh, I'll admit I, I'm not hugely familiar with uh, Brubaker's take on Daredevil, but uh, like you were saying, Damon, uh, everything you know about the Hulk comes from Peter David. Um, for me, it comes down... I got into his his run late, uh, but it was with the Joe Fixit period where he was the the Hulk as Vegas mob enforcer, which I thought was just brilliant. So Peter David has to has to get the nod. That's early. <laughs> There's like another eight years that follow that. Well, you did it for like twelve. Yeah, so. I know. I know, but you said late. <laughs> Uh, I guess technically in mo- most people's runs, if you come in four years into their run, that's late in their run. <laughs> um, okay, late er. Give it to you. you can edit an er onto that then. Uh, all right. <laughs> no, oh, Peter, <laughs> uh, Peter David Hulk is moving on. On to our next uh, fight. This one is actually really easy for me. It is Frank Miller's Daredevil uh, versus uh, JMS. It's John My- Michael Straczynski's uh, Spider Man. I love Spider Man. I loved what uh, JMS did with Spider Man, uh, but. Frank Miller made me care about Daredevil and I didn't read it at the time. Uh, the, the Daredevil that, of his that I read was uh, man without fear. And I know Mike intended this to be just the very first run, uh, his very first spot on Daredevil. Uh, but I, I'll, I'll just lump it all together. And, and like I said, he, it's the, my favorite Daredevil. It's the Daredevil. I like the most. Uh, so uh, I'm going to hell Daredevil used to be the fucking top of my stack because of this run. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Jason? Uh, I mean, this is the huge shadow of Frank Miller that Daredevil is only just now kind of stepping to the edges to. He's not even stepping out of the shadow of Frank Miller's run. But it comes down to this. JMS did so much that I like during his Spider-Man run. Uh yeah, you know, with Aunt May, with all all the surrounding characters, uh, that for a very long time this was the only Marvel book I was reading, and it, it, for a very long time I read no Marvel books because of what they did immediately following JMS's Spider-Man's run. So I, I, it's this huge footprint on my favorite Marvel characters. So I've got to vote for JMS's Spider-Man run. A vote for John Michael Straczynski's, J. Michael Straczynski's, uh, yeah, Spider-Man run. Brian! Uh, just, as, just as an aside, what did 
uh, J. Michael Straczynski do in his Spider-Man run that was so phenomenal? Uh, Spider-God. Oh, okay. The one where he's with the, uh, with, what's his name? The vampire guy who's coming to get him. Yeah, Ezekiel. Okay. Had, yeah. He was the spider totem. Right, the spider totem. And many okay, other I, things. Yeah, okay. I remember that run. That was a good run. Okay, so I can definitely say that I don't hate everything that J. Michael Straczynski has, has written. <laughs> Just most of it. Um, so I'm going to be voting for, what's the other one? Oh, Frank Miller's Daredevil. Yeah, the Daredevil that you care about. Yeah, the Daredevil that almost made the crappy Daredevil movie an almost watchable movie. Um, the Daredevil that you see repeated in almost everything that <laughs> Frank Miller has done since then. I'll, I'll go for that one. All right. And uh, I will say, I will continue to say this to people. The extended director's cut of Daredevil is actually a good movie. I'm not kidding. I hate Daredevil, but the director's cut is good. Um, <laughs> Brian, uh, sorry, Paul. Uh, I, Frank Miller's a really, really tough one to argue with. Um, great take. Iconic. Um, Straczynski's Spider-Man, I'll have to admit, I, I will need to go back and check it out more because Spider-Man was ruined for me when they started throwing clones all over the place, and Marvel completely lost me for the Spider-Man character for a very long time after that. Um, but I'm not going to hold that against Straczynski. So uh, I, I will check him out, but I'm voting for Frank Miller. Uh, vote for the Miller Daredevil run. Mike? Um, I will vote for... Frank Miller's Daredevil as well. Uh, I, I enjoyed Straczynski's run. It actually was the run that got me back onto Spider-Man, uh, starting with you know great John Romita Jr. art. I loved the Spider Totem story. I had had some serious low points, um, you know, and and things that he was forced to do that he did not want to do. But uh, and some, I mean, I thought he, his his stuff. You know, if you're going to read Civil War, I think you need to read his Spider-Man's. You know, to really get. The, the full story. I mean, I think he plugged into that crossover better than anybody else. But uh, it's up against Frank Miller's Daredevil, which uh, pretty much you almost don't need to say Frank Miller's Daredevil because when you say Daredevil, you really are talking about Frank Miller's Daredevil. Even now, when Mark Wade is doing it, it is very deliberately and consciously an anti-Frank Miller Daredevil. I mean, it still casts its shadow. And I would say Chris Somney's artwork is incredibly influenced by the stuff that Miller was doing, which ultimately begets the stuff that uh, David Mazzucchelli does uh, because every, every, I don't think any character, any creator has cast such a long shadow over a character the way Frank Miller has over Daredevil. Um, even other great runs are all just basically doing his run again. So apparently we love the shit out of Daredevil because I'm, I'm just looking at this. There's three fucking Daredevils out of 16 things. This is how amazing but Daredevil was. But not Bendis's, oddly enough. Not Bendis's, which I like a lot, too. And it's just, hey, whatever. Uh, but yeah, Frank Miller's Daredevil is into the next round. We're on to our next fight. It's the first unknown fight of the evening. Uh, Mike, you haven't changed what you wanted to be the unknown, have you? No. Okay. It is Emperor Doom, which is a story where uh, Doctor Doom takes over the Marvel Universe and everything's better. He gets rid of poverty, uh... Uh, crime is gone. Uh, everybody's nice to each other. They just are all subjects of Emperor Doom because they've been brainwashed. Um, 
versus Mike's unknown pick because he's pulling rank. He's like, fuck you people. I'm taking the unknown on this one. It is Ohatmu. And those of you that don't know what Ohatmu is, it is, what is it called again? The official handbook to the Marvel Universe. The official handbook to the Marvel Universe written by? Uh, was it Mark Grunwald who wrote that? I think, I think he wrote Grunwald. all the text. Yeah, it's, it's a it very... by everybody. It's the encyclopedia everybody. of Marvel, the, the first great encyclopedia of Marvel comic superheroes. Yeah. Uh, and it, it was awesome. It cataloged everything. Jason, that one is yours. Oh, man. I was all set to vote for Emperor Doom. I mean, my only problem with it is kind of the same very minor quibble I had with uh, Infinity Gauntlet in that basically the only reason the Doom's defeated is he got bored. But I did. I looked through that handbook for hours. I had a friend who had it and when I was much younger, and I looked through that book just all the time whenever uh, I was over at his house. So I'm going to vote for the official handbook. Yeah. <laughs> The official handbook of the Marvel Universe. Uh, vote for Ohatmu, Brian. Ohatmu, come on, dude. Um, unstable molecules, weighted throwing discs, um, cyclopses, um, power coming through a dimensional aperture that somehow manages to rest over his eyes that because the so that the physics so that the physics of his force beams wouldn't break his neck. It's, it's 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 so nerdy. It's so dorky. How can you not love that? Another vote for Ohatmu. Paul? You know, I'm going to have to go for Ohatmu as well. Uh, the Emperor Doom story was uh, it was it was good. I really liked that. That's the string of graphic novels they did. Uh, it was the it was the early early through mid 80s, I believe. Um, and you know, the fact that, you know, doom getting his way ends to the eradication of, you know, poverty, war and hunger was pretty great. But, um, the Ohatmu is such a labor of geek love. I mean, it's absolutely unreal. You know, somebody coming up with explanations for every single detail, no matter how tortured, um, you know, and, and sounding intellectual about it, even if they're just pulling stuff straight out of their ass, um, and it had the benefit of having the uh, the side the side issues with the books of the dead, where you had all the all the deceased characters through through the Marvel run up until that point, which was and a the, bonus. the weapons and gadgets, and the gadgets as well, which was uh, just a boon to anyone who ever played the old uh, Marvel superheroes role playing game, because it was just as good as having their hard to find texts and all that. But yeah, oh hot move, Mike. Yeah, I, there's a reason I put Ohatmo on here. Uh, I love Emperor Doom. Uh, it's unfortunate that this is what it was going up against. Uh, but it, it was what you had before Wikipedia. Um, this is where you looked stuff up. Uh, every, it had, and it wasn't just text. It was a, a, a piece of artwork created specifically for this, uh, each by different artists. So basically everybody who was doing comics at that time and people who hadn't done comics in a while... Um, very often it would be the creators. Maybe it was someone who was strongly associated with it, but just great, fantastic artwork by everybody. Uh, and, uh, and it really, it, it wasn't just the stats and all that too. It actually had like their history. So it was a great gateway to finding other stories with these characters. I mean, that, it was something that you read uh, almost as a story itself. It was the story of the Marvel universe. So uh, 
It's really pretty amazing stuff. And DC did something similar with Who's Who, and uh, people have done stuff since. But I don't think anybody's ever really gotten it better than that uh, that deluxe edition uh, Marvel handbook. Of Ohatmu. And I will not make it a clean sweep. Uh, Ohatmu is amazing. Uh, but I, I do like the fact that the villain wins. And uh, the only thing we had to give up was our free will. And we all won too. And uh, that, that's actually what that story came down to, which was uh, Wonder Man happened to be in his regeneration chamber or something. And he wasn't affected by uh, Purple Man. I'm, I'm spoiling it. Isn't his name Purple Man? What's yeah, I think so. It's Purple Man. Yeah, yeah. Zebediah Kilgrave. Yeah, the, uh, Purple Man. the Purple Man has a uh, persuasion abilities. He wasn't. He's not affected by it. And uh, he was like, "Wait, no! Don't you see? This is wrong. You've given up your free will." And and Captain America and everybody's like, "But everybody's happy. There's no war. There's no poverty. There's no famine. There's no crime. Everybody's fine." And it it and it it, it had the 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 question of. Do we give up our free will for everything to be okay? Is that is that utopia, or does utopia have to be fought for, and we get to keep our free will? Ah, I love you, Emperor Doom. But Ohatmu is moving on. We are on to our next fight. Uh, Brian, this one is yours. It's DC time, and it's going to be stuff you don't like, I don't think. I don't know. It is Warren Ellis' Planetary versus Green Lantern Rebirth. Oh, that one's pretty easy. I loved Planetary. Planetary um, was an attempt. It was basically a comic book attempt at the Walt Newton, excuse me, the Walt Newton universe that Phil Farmer does. You know, basically to bring all of these old pulp ideas and concepts across a multiverse into one sort of mega continuity. Yeah, I love that. And. Uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, uh, it was good. I liked seeing Hal Jordan back in in the DC continuity, where I thought he believed. But as not being that huge a Green Lantern fan, I'm I uh, it didn't have it doesn't resonate with me the way it's going to resonate with some people on this panel. So I'm going to go for a planetary. Plus, they had an illustration of Adam West Batman in there, which was totally awesome. That was that was my one of my favorite moments. Uh, vote for planetary, Paul. Uh, I've, I got to go with Green Lantern Rebirth on this one. Um, I think uh, planetary is a great project, but I think when you look what Green Lan- Re- the Rebirth story sort of laid the groundwork for, I mean, just y- years of just really excellent Lantern stories um, set everything for the whole Blackest Night, the emotional spectrum thing. Um, just Re- Rebirth planted so many seeds. So I. I, th- I think that's got to go through. Mike? Um, you know, for for better or worse, uh, Green Lantern Rebirth uh, is really the dawn of, of the modern DC universe. I mean, it really is the thing that put Jeff Johns on the map. The idea, the way that they relaunched Green Lantern is something that they would kind of carry through uh, with other books. And ultimately, the entire universe uh, get, gets the same treatment. And I love Rebirth. And I'm a huge Green Lantern fan, but I'm still going to vote for Planetary because for me, that Green Lantern was it was a a great kind of ongoing modern, you know, monthly comic. But Planetary is is something kind of bigger. It's that long form story. It has a, it has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and it's talking about big things. It's it's talking about 
uh, it's talking about comics and it's talking about pop culture. I mean, like, you know, Brian was saying, it was this link of all these things that we love and it ties it together and gives them, it gives it an explanation and it takes it very seriously, as seriously as we take it. So it's a strange kind of geek book. Uh, I love kind of meta commentaries. The, the villains are the Fantastic Four. Uh, there's Golden Age heroes. There's giant monsters. There's, you know, Vertigo turning into... Uh, John Constantine turning into um, Spider Jerusalem. Um, it was just such a great commentary on all this stuff that we love. Warren Ellis is a great writer. This is, I think, the best thing he's ever written. I think uh, John Cassidy did uh, some of his best work. Uh, it's absolutely a fantastic series. A vote for Planetary. Um, <laughs> see, if you've been drunk, if you've been at a party with me talking about comic books and you've been drunk, you've heard uh, my rant on Green Lantern Marie Birth and uh, how much I dislike it. Uh, because I don't give two shits about Hal Jordan. I never have and I never will. So bringing him back into the DC universe did absolutely nothing for me other than taking away a character I did like. Uh, which was Kyle Rayner, and uh, making me drop a book I liked. Uh, I, I don't like that book anymore. I, I actually, it, it was the beginning of the end for me in comics. Uh, and, uh, and, and I don't give it the credit that it needs or deserves because it isn't the one that, um, what do you call that? I, I, still, I still contend that the DC Universe is the way it is now because of Something the... Something on this list. Yeah, it's something a little bit later on the list, and I'll, I'll, I'll spot out about it later. But I am voting for Planetary. And uh, Jason? Uh, I liked Planetary. It had a lot of cool concepts. It had a link to Gen 13, which is pretty much how I stumbled upon it, because I, I did read Gen 13. Uh, I love that book, uh, despite, uh, it, you know, the sometimes... Uh, cheesecakey nature of the art uh but i was out of dc proper the dc universe proper at this point and i'd been out for a while uh and rebirth came out and i had liked some of the jeff john stuff i had read uh just here and there and i did remember hal jordan and liked him from the super friends and gl rebirth started me back into comics. I mean, I wasn't reading monthlies again, but I was reading stuff in trade, so I'm going to vote for uh, Rebirth. Because I do like Hal Jordan. Uh, vote for Rebirth. Hal Jordan is one of the most boring characters ever. He's the guy that beats you up. <laughs> He's a goddamn snotty fucking jock, and I hate him. I, I didn't say I didn't like Kyle Rayner. The only, the only Earth oh, no. GL I, I don't like is fucking Guy Gardner and his dumbass fucking coat. Oh. <laughs> but planetary is moving uh, I like on. The coat. Uh, <laughs> we have to re-add Brian to the call. I don't know why his why he dropped, but we're re-adding Brian. And hopefully, we're both still recording. I know I'm still recording. Mike, are you still recording? Yeah, as long as the Skype call doesn't end. Uh, okay. I, I, and for me, at least. Uh, yeah. I, I wonder if we're gonna add this part up. This part gonna get edited? Actually, it doesn't have to. Probably not. <laughs> yep. Okay, he's back. All right, on to our next fight, Paul. This one is yours. Uh, and planetary one, Brian. Uh, oh, awesome. This one is yours. It is Mark Waite's first run on the Flash before Jeff Johns came and ruined that character too. 
versus All-Star Superman, Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. Well, I wasn't a huge fan of the Flash in pretty much any of his incarnations, but and I've got my issues with Grant Morrison, but I really dug what he did with the All-Star Superman series. I mean, it it's a great question. What does Superman do when he knows he's going to die? And I, it was an intriguing concept. Uh, I thought it was really well executed. Um, you know, the once you know the last you know going toe to toe with Lex Luthor. Um, you know, yeah, All Star Superman. A uh, vote for All Star Superman, Mike. This is really tough. Um, I love both of these uh, these runs a great deal. Um, Grant Morrison is one of my favorite comic book writers. Uh, I like a lot of stuff that, that Wade has done and, uh, he's had several things on this list. Uh, I think he has one more. Um, but I, I'm going to vote for the flash, uh, because even though I do love all-star Superman and it's a great Superman story, it is, it is a, a little bit, I mean, maybe because it's, it's, uh, an all-star book and it's sort of like a, a super a comic book superstar vanity project. Um, it's got it, it's very Grant Morrison. Uh, his stamp is on it. It, it is so clearly him uh, running through it, uh, and, and it's very deliberate in, in how it's 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 presenting. It's kind of Silver Age uh, stuff and, and things like that. But Wade's Flash was just so kind of earnestly just real comics, just doing a what he thought was a great story. And it's a tribute to the Silver Age every much, every bit as much as Grant Morrison's is, as much of, of Wade's stuff is. Uh, and, and this was really what put Mark Wade on the map. And this defined, this showed how he could work that love for the comics of the past into a very, very modern, very smart uh, story with a great character. I mean, he really is the one that, that brought Wally West out from the shadow of, of Barry Allen. And that return of Barry Allen run uh, I I thought was phenomenal, and they completely had me hook, line, and sinker. I thought they brought Barry Allen back. Uh, it it was a great high point for for DC uh, in the was it that the late eighties, early nineties sort of sort of era. Um, I think it's just all early nineties, isn't it? Could be. I don't remember exactly when he started, but uh, really, it was just it was a phenomenal run, probably the definitive run on the character, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, n- not probably. It is the definitive run on that character, and the, the, not the Flash, Wally West. Because uh, those of you that know uh, the Flash now and ha- don't have really any association with the comic books, uh, you've only known Barry Allen because he was on the TV show, he was in uh, the animated series. Uh, he'll probably be in the movie that come that's coming out in a couple of years. And I thought he- Wally was in the. Justice League. Yeah, yeah, it was Wally and Bruce Timber. Well, no, no, I meant, West, I meant so. the uh, the Adam, uh, the uh, what's the the Super not Friends. the oh Super, Super Friends. Friends, yeah, not not Justice League. Justice League was for comic book fans. <laughs> comic book fans watched Justice League, so we we knew what the fuck was going on in comics. That's why it was Wally West. Uh, I'm talking about the the people who are casual, know who know the names of the characters, but really don't know anything other than that. Uh, for the most part, that's Barry Allen. Uh, for me, my Flash is Wally West, and 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 Mark Wade totally pulled him out of the shadow of Barry Allen. So much so that the the return of Barry Allen storyline, I was like, Barry Allen, 
Who's Barry Allen? Oh, he's the guy that died in Crisis. I, you know, I had no real concept of Barry Allen, the Flash, or anything like that. And he, he basically, with that one story, he was like, "Yep, th this is the Flash now. Wally West is the Flash. Get used to it." And uh, I did, and I loved it. I loved every second. You get Impulse. You get the the whole Flash family. Uh, the Rogues Gallery is an amazing. It's the second best rogues gallery in DC Comics because the first is obviously Batman, but second best rogues gallery is is by far the Flash, uh, and Wade used every last one of them amazingly. I loved every character that he used, Mirror Master, all of them. Uh, so I've got to go with the Mark Wade Flash run, even though All Star Superman is amazing. Uh, uh, yeah, it's got to be. And Frank Quietly did the art on the uh, All Star Superman. I forgot to say that but wade's flash run gets a vote from me jason as much as i like wade's flash run grant morrison at one point in all-star superman has superman create a universe without superman and it shows them create the comic character superman that's like next level fucking meta that's that's one of my favorite things about grant morrison i i i won't vote against it all-star superman not in the first round it's all tied up. It comes down to you, Brian. Which one is moving on into the next round? Wow, uh, this is this is very difficult because I'm not. I don't love the Flash run. I, excuse me. I don't love Wally West's Flash as much as you do, Damon. But I did love those stories, and I love All Star Superman. I really love All Star Superman because it's an example of why Superman isn't a boring character if you figure out what the hell to do with him. Um, wow. And let me think. This is kind of this is kind of tough. I was not anticipating this. You know, I'm I'm going to uh, I'm going to go with uh, the Flash. Because uh, Mike's argument that a regular continuity comic versus a prestige project, sometimes you have to give love to the regular continuity comic. So uh, I'll go with that. Mark Wade's Flash is moving on into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Whew. That was a close one. Thank you, Brian. I love you. I'm giving you a big hug now. Uh, Mike, this next fight is yours. Uh, something Brian hates versus something I think Brian likes. Uh, it is Identity Crisis versus Batman Year One. Uh, this is pretty easy. Um, I do like Identity Crisis uh, a great deal. Uh, I thought it was a very entertaining uh, kind of edge, edge of your seat kind of thriller. Uh, I thought the relationships it explored and the ideas of, of uh, all of the loved ones and the connections to the superheroes, uh, all good stuff. Uh, yeah, it was, it was sordid and excessive and... Uh, and maybe did not have to go as dark as it did, but I don't have a problem that it did. Um, was not a great mystery in the end, um, but it's not Batman Year One. I mean, this is, uh, you want to talk iconic, this this cast a, a long shadow over Batman. I mean, Frank Miller has a habit of doing that. Uh, the Dark Knight is on here as well, but I always thought this was a far superior work. Uh, and Dave Mads Kelly is, is at his best. Uh, you know, this is really one of the greatest origin stories uh, ever put on paper. Uh, vote for Batman Year One. 
Uh, I think I might be the only person that gives love to Identity Crisis. And, and by love, I mean a vote. Uh, Identity Crisis completely changed the DC Universe. <laughs> and the impact of Identity Crisis uh, is basically what brings about what we have today in the New 52. Uh, you, you get all kinds of shit that comes out of the outcry and rage from it and some pieces of the story that, that basically break down the, the DC universe into, well, the New 52 because it's the first of the crises, right? Because it's identity crisis. What's the other two crises? Infinite crisis and there's one in between, isn't there? Well, there's a final, final crisis. crisis. Final crisis. It, it's the, the three crises and it's the one that's, that kicks off the crises. So I'm gonna vote for Identity Crisis, Jason. I I I love Identity Crisis. I, I mean, it, it boils down to this: what was the worst thing the Justice League ever did? And it turns out the worst thing the Justice League ever did was mind rape of not just villains, but one of one of their own. And the way they used the Trinity, not so much as characters, but as almost like a ticking clock. I mean, sooner or later, one of the three of them was going to put it together, what that secret league did. But at the same time, it's Batman year one. It, it, I can't, I, I refuse to vote against Batman year one, at least in the first round. I mean, it, say what you will. If you know Batman's origin, you probably know Batman year one. That's probably where you've seen it. I'll vote for Batman year one. Brian. Mr. Townsend. Oh, sorry. Yeah, see, and in the same way in the last vote that I voted for the Wade run on uh, on the Flash because uh, of the effects that it had on the character. And, and that it was a regular continuity run. Um, Identity Crisis, the effects, the long-term effects that it had on the DC universe pretty much got me to stop reading DC Comics. And I've been reading DC Comics since I was five or six years old. Um, I really can't tell you how much I hated Identity Crisis not because it wasn't a good idea for a story. It was a great idea for a story, but in much like Civil War, it was one of these situations where they chose to have characters whose continuity I had been following and who I had gotten to know all of a sudden start acting like dicks. And it was, it was the first step into the truly dickish Batman that I eventually just couldn't you know, stand anymore. Um, whereas Batman Year One, as has been stated earlier, this is pretty much anybody who likes these Nolan Batman movies. This is pretty much where he got a lot of it from, and it's a great it's a great Batman story. I liked it in the animated version. I even liked parts of it in the Nolan version. So I'm going to vote for Batman Year One. Paul. I'm going to also, despite my love for Identity Crisis, I'm going to have to go with Batman Year One as well. Um, I thought Identity Crisis was just a really well done work as a whole. I know it was sort of like laying the groundwork for the other crises, um, which I didn't enjoy quite as much. But I really dug the way it got, you, you take something that's, I mean, with all their you know dysfunction, 
that you've seen over the years, it's relatively minor compared to this. Uh, and just seeing like a grimy, greasy Justice League and all the sort of dirt that goes on, uh, I just thought it was a really appealing story. But uh, everybody else has said already, it's the Batman you know is the Frank, or the Batman 99% of people know is the Frank Miller Batman. And that all started there. Um, that, that's got to go through. And we'll, we'll see if it ranks a second round Miller versus Miller fight in, in a little bit. But uh, for right now, Batman Year One. And that's right. Batman Year One is moving on. And. It was Brad Metzler that wrote it. Who did the art on uh, Identity Crisis? Rags Morales. Rags Morales. Uh, just giving a little credit out there to those guys because they did an amazing job. Uh, but year one is moving on, and year one is Frank Miller and Dave Nice Kelly, right? Yeah. Yep. Uh, next is uh, Alan Moore's Swamp Thing versus The Dark Knight Returns. <laughs> and this is really, 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 really easy for me. Because I have never, ever liked Dark Knight Returns <laughs> until the animated. Uh, I, I, I just, Frank Miller writes way too many words, way too many words. And, I, and I'm not that huge a fan of his artwork. Uh, when he's being drawn by somebody else, I love his stories. Uh, and, and for whatever reason, when he's being drawn by somebody else, it, it, it te- they tend to, there must be some kind of collaboration of, hey, dude, where am I supposed to fit the picture with all those words and it gets cut down and, and shaped and changed. Uh, <clears throat> Alan Moore Swamp Thing. While I did not read most of the run, I've read some of the run and some of the things that have come out of the, the Swamp Thing universe. Swamp Thing is one of the uh, things that got DC to actually have a, an offshoot publication, uh, which is Vertigo. It's the birthplace of Vertigo. It's a very, very uh, important book kind of thing so as much as i love dark knight we've we've spotted a, a, a shit ton of love for dark knight on this thing before i'm gonna give a little uh, credit to swamp thing alamore swamp thing jason man uh if ever there was a comic book writer who was really at the end of the day a, a frustrated novel writer it was frank miller and uh the wordiest comic book i've ever read was the dark knight returns and i mean this is essentially just a response to Adam West Batman. And then you got Alan Moore Swamp Thing. You know, a lot of the dark DC Universe characters are only only in existence the way we know them because of this run. Uh, two guys. I'm going to vote for Dark Knight Returns, I think. Uh, vote for DKN. Not Rises Returns. Brian? Wow, paradigm shift, paradigm shift, paradigm shift. Um, because Swamp Thing was the major paradigm shift at DC. Not only did it spawn Vertigo, it also kind of opened the door for Dark Knight and for Watchmen and for a lot of stuff that came in the wake of, oh, we can do something different with the characters. Uh Dark Knight Returns, wordiest book, comic book in the universe. But without those words, that story is not the same story. The animated version, I like the animated version, but the thing I liked about Batman and the Dark Knight Returns is the fact that you have the running dialogue of what's going on in his head while he's crippling people. 
that's all. So the, the juxtaposition of those two things is what makes it awesome. And um, at this point, I'm going to have to choose um, Swamp Thing because, unfortunately, I'm going to have to go with the legacy of these two works. And the legacy of Dark Knight um, is a lot of asshole-ish Batman and a lot of crappy, dark, gritty comics that were attempting to be Dark Knight and and... You know, it just basically took the idea that comics could be, you know, light and fun and whimsical and just threw it in the toilet for about 10 years. So whereas the legacy of of Swamp Thing is that people started to be thought more thoughtful and you get a lot of really good comics coming out as a result of Swamp Thing. So I'm going to go with Swamp Thing. Uh, vote for Swamp Thing. Paul? Well, I'm... I'm a huge Batman junkie, but in this case, um, you know, Brian sort of hit on with the, 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 the legacies here. Um, the legacy of Dark Knight, again, yeah, it is a lot of angry people doing angry things to other angry people um, and pale imitations at that. Whereas Alan Moore's run on Swamp Thing, uh, yeah, that's, that's where Vertigo came from. We got sw- the... Uh, his brilliant revision of uh, Swamp Thing's origin um, was terrific. You know, the he's not a man turned into a plant. He's a plant who thinks he's a guy. Uh, and that that founded Vertigo. He created uh, John Constantine. We wouldn't have any of that. Uh, of course, we also wouldn't have that regrettable Keanu Reeves flick either. But It was an amazing uh, movie. I'm, Don't like guys talk about how bad. I love that movie. Dude. Uh, it's hit hit or hit or miss hit or miss, but I'm not going to hold I'm not going to hold uh, Alan uh, responsible for the sins of Keanu. So uh, swamp. Yeah, because if you do that, you got to get it to him for leave extraordinary gentleman. That's a horrible movie. Uh, a vote for Alan Moore Swamp Thing and Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I will also vote for Swamp Thing. Uh, I first of all, when you guys are talking about about uh, Frank Miller being the wordiest motherfucker, are you forgetting he's up against Alan Moore? There's more words in Alan Moore than, than every other comic book combined. Uh, but I'm still voting for it, uh, at least for, for one reason. I mean, this is the only representation of Alan Moore uh, on, in this bracket, uh, despite him being like in our best comic book creator you know, all the way to the, to the finals. Uh, and Frank Miller's already got two books moving ahead into round two. He doesn't need a third one. Uh, so uh, I will just, on Alan Moore alone, uh, vote him forward. And Alan Moore's Swamp Thing is moving into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Uh, Jason, this one is yours. It is Preacher, Garth Ennis, and I can't remember the artist. Who's the artist on Steve that? Steve Dillon. Steve Dillon. Who's the uh, cover artist? Glenn Fabry. Glenn Fabry. The three of them wrote 80, created 81 issues of uh, Preacher versus Kevin Smith's Green Arrow. Uh, Jason, that's yours. Oh, a book I... Uh, I'm not terribly familiar with versus Kevin Smith's Green Arrow. I am not a fan of the Green Arrow comic books. Uh, the only real time I've actually enjoyed the character at all seems to be his CW show, which is weird. Um, I'm going to vote for the Preacher. Uh, vote for Preacher. Brian. Yeah, see, unfortunately, 
I loved Preacher right up until the last panel of the last issue. And then the the ending of the story pretty much ruined the entire series for me. Um, so I'm going to vote for Kevin Smith, not because, you know, I thought I liked his run, but I didn't think it was phenomenal. I just, just, you know, Preacher, you know, Garth Ennis's whole preacher thing and that, and that sort and that was sort of what sort of the um began the downfall of garth ennis for me but we can talk about that later because i can't imagine that preacher is not going to stomp all over green arrow so i'll talk more about that later uh, all right a vote for kevin smith's green arrow paul uh well i'll, I'll continue the stomping um I like Kevin Smith's writing. I think he's a good writer. I'm not sure if this was a, the best example of it. I wasn't a fan of the the dead soulless Ollie thing, um, uh, but I, I think Ennis's runs on Preacher were great. Um, it's I think the Vertigo line when people usually throw around evaluating dc as a company they get caught up in the supermans and the batmans and everything and i think vertigo sometimes gets short shrift so i'm i'm happy to see preacher go ahead uh vote for preacher mike uh preacher see mike was brief there because he knows what i'm about to do uh i do it every time i'm drunk talking about comic books uh, people like to give credit to uh, Green Lantern Rebirth as this is the start of the new 52. This is where it all comes from. No, they're fucking wrong. It all comes from Kevin Smith saying, I don't know who Connor Hawk is, which it was the current Green Lantern, was the Green Lantern at the time. I'm bringing back Oliver Queen, a character that had been dead for, what, six or seven years at that point? Maybe even longer. How long had Oliver Queen been dead by that point, Mike? I have no idea. Uh, but he brought back Oliver Queen. And... There was a nice spike in sales on Green Lantern. Green Lantern went from selling like, I'm sorry, Green Lantern, Green Arrow went from selling maybe like 20,000 copies to 50,000 copies. Something. Oh, there, dude, but, it was the number one selling book. I, there, okay. Then so it was, it was like a gigantic spike. And they were like, wait a minute. We've got all these dead characters we can bring back. And the, the dominoes started falling from there. Uh, from there, you get uh, Green Lantern Rebirth, Flash Rebirth, and then fuck it. Let's chuck out the whole universe and put it back to the way it was when I liked it. And uh, it's the universe that I no longer like, uh, although there have been some good stories that come out, came out of it. Uh, Preacher is epic. Uh, regardless of whether or not you don't like the last issue, uh, there's so much good stuff in Preacher. Preacher is such a tight story that they, they, these extra stuff, as opposed to like the, the, the all-sworn characters having stories inside of the story in Preacher, no, they would actually have little mini-series <clears throat> of people like Arseface. Ah, who doesn't love Arseface? The kid who shot his face off uh, trying to commit suicide like Kurt Cobain and he fucked it up. Um, there, there, there are so many great characters that came out of Preacher uh, and it's one creative team from beginning to end. Uh, did they even ship late? I don't think they ever shipped late. Oh, I'm sure it, they did. Everybody has. They, that's a, a recent like phenomenon. Uh, I, that's a recent phenomenon. Maybe later in the month. But yeah, I don't they, they they didn't go months late. They might have. They didn't go late. months late. Yeah, but, but yeah. Uh, 
they uh, month in month out there was a preacher comic for 81 issues and that's an amazing run uh by today's standards so i'm voting for preacher as well preachers into the next round we are on to our next fight brian this one is yours and this one is actually difficult it is green lantern green arrow hard traveling heroes versus the first 25 issues of the new teen titans well it's hard for some people it's easy for me i put the new teen titans on this on the list and pretty much this once again where this is the run um, of comics that if you know anything about the Teen Titans, this is the this is it. This is Robin, Cyborg, Starfire, Raven, Beast Boy. It was the first real Marvel style book that appeared at uh, in DC Comics, and it was you know, it, but it still kept managed to keep the flavor of a DC comic in terms of its characters. I really loved this book, and uh, that's why I put it on this list. Paul. Well, um, I, I, I honestly, I got to go with Green Lantern and Green Arrow by default. I'm not a huge fan of the Teen Titans. Um, I, I do like, I think they're one of the better sort of buddy-buddy pairings you can get. Uh, and I know DC was known for them, uh, you know, the, the world's finest stuff, but, uh, yeah, I, I just like the, I mean, the, the art was great. He had Neil Adams on that run, um, and it's tough to argue with him. So let's, let's see, Mr. Mr. Uh, Mr. Adams take, get to the second round. Uh, Mr. Ortiz. Uh, I'll vote for, uh, hard traveling heroes. Um, you know, Brian, I, I will disagree when you said that, that, that new teen Titans was the first. Uh, the first uh, attempt at a Marvel book at DC. I think it was the first one that took, but I think they started a decade earlier with the new gods and with the hard traveling heroes. Um, it was an attempt to inject a, a social conscience uh, into comics. Um, you know, Marvel had gotten the jump on them with the, with their drug issue, but this has really the, a, a far a far more powerful issue in the the speedy drug issue. I mean, the, the this one he's dealing with with the heroin. My my ward is a junkie. I mean, it's a classic cover. Uh, it's Neil Adams at his best. Denny O'Neill at his best. Uh, it features the uh, the the old black guy at, asking Green Lantern what he's done for black people because he's done all this stuff for orange people and the green people, and he works for the blue people. And uh, it's got that one paralyzing moment that that changed the character forever for a lot of people in a bad way. And I think that was the problem is the book was kind of ahead of its time for a fairly conservative DC fan base. Uh, but nowadays it's, it's a classic and uh, I think it's one of the best. It's it's actually one of the most reprinted uh, runs in comic history. A vote for hard traveling heroes. I like the teen Titans. <clears throat> I like them a lot. Uh, and uh, was he beast boy or was he changeling at the time, Brian? When he first came in, he started out as Beast Boy, and, and then, then they eventually they eventually gave him a more grown up name by calling him Changeling. And now well, he was Changeling in the New Teen Titans. Yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, so he started, but he, he, but, was, he st- but he st- but he started out as Beast Boy because he was okay. Beast Boy from the Doom Patrol. Right. Doom Patrol. Yeah, talking comic books. I just I, I just looked at the clock and went, "Oh shit, <laughs> we've been talking a long time about comic books." Uh, this is so much fun. It's what I love doing. Uh, I'm voting for Hard Traveling Heroes. Uh, it's it's really good. Uh, if if that's what you want out of comics, and that, that's 
That's what I generally like and want out of comic books. And uh, I dislike both of those characters, Oliver Queen and Hal Jordan. And it still pulled me in and, and engaged me. So I'm go- voting for Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes. Uh, Jason? Uh, Brian, did the Slade Terra stuff, did that start in the first 25 issues of New Teen Titans? Yeah, I think that actually wrapped up around issue 18 or 19. Okay, I, I couldn't remember. Judas Contract I've, was later than that, though. Wasn't wasn't Judas Contract into the thirties or forties? I don't know. I don't think. I, that? I don't. I don't. Th- I don't think so. All I know is that I used to have the first twenty five issues collected. Oh, excuse me. I used to have the first twenty five issues, and it included the whole terror betraying the team. And I believe that was around issue in nineteen eighteen or nineteen. But I could be wrong. That's what, but that's particularly why I put it on the list because it included that story arc. Yeah. See, I I love that story arc. Uh, I'm not a huge Green Arrow guy, and that kept me away from hard traveling heroes. Uh, New Teen Titans, but hard traveling heroes are going to be hard traveling into the next round, and we are on to our next fight. Paul, this one is yours. It is Kingdom Come versus Justice League, Gay for Justice, and it's not Gay for Justice. It's actually Cry for Justice. But if you actually look up the fucking font on the internet, you will go. Yeah, I could see how you could mistake that for Gay for Justice, and uh, lots of people did. Uh, Paul? Well, I, yeah, I, I am not Gay for Justice on this one. Um, it, it was an all right story. Um, I, I really don't think it's one of DC's best, whereas Kingdom Come, I've always been a huge fan of their Elseworlds uh, line. I think they did it. Even though they did second, I still think they did it better than a lot of the Marvel what-ifs. And I think Kingdom Come was was up there with the best of them. Uh, Vote for Kingdom Come. Mike? To find out why I'm voting for Kingdom Come, you can go back and listen to our book club about it, where I speak on how much I love it for like an hour. Uh, That episode's like two hours. Uh, Kingdom Uh, Come Yeah, I'm just talking about me. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Both of us voted for Kingdom Come. Jason? Yeah, Kingdom Come. Uh, I, I too, am not gay for justice or for Ollie Queen and Hal Jordan doing their best uh, authority impersonation. Brian, is it a clean sweep? Yeah, pretty much. I was on the uh, Kingdom Come Book Club episode two, episode as well, excuse me, and I had a lot of nice crap to say about it because it's pretty fucking awesome. Awesome. So, so yeah. A vote for Kingdom Come. Uh, I guess we are not happy for justice. That's right. Gay means happy. Happy means gay. Uh, <laughs> Kingdom Come is moving on. We're at our last fight of the first round. It is the Batman Quarterly Isles by um, Scott Snyder. And I can see his name in my head, but I Capullo. can't see Capullo. Great yeah. Capullo. Uh, versus the other unknown pick, which I do not know because Paul has not told any of us. Paul, what is the other unknown pick? Uh, well, uh, if we were looking at seeing a little more Alan Moore on the list, I, that just happened to be it. I chose uh, Alan Moore's uh, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow story from Superman in Action Comics. Wow. Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. That's, that's a good one. And I haven't really read Court of Owls. I tried. I, I just don't like Capullo's art. I'll try again. I'll keep trying. I like Snyder's writing, but I don't know if I like his writing on Batman. I liked it. I liked his writing of uh, 
get Grayson's Batman way more than I like Bruce Wayne, and but that's because I don't like Bruce Wayne. I like Dick Grayson. I've never been a fan of Bruce Wayne. He's a fucking asshole. Uh, so I will go with Alan Moore's Whatever Happened to Man of Tomorrow. Uh, Mike. Uh, this Yeah, this this is rough. Uh, I want to talk a, a big gun. Uh, I know Alan Moore is already moving ahead, um, but I'm still going to vote for um, Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Uh, I really enjoy uh, Batman. I think it is one of the strongest of the new 52 books. I, and I really, really enjoy Greg Capullo's artwork. And I like Scott's writing a lot. But uh, I don't think he quite nailed the end of that. Um, it was a very long story, a very complicated story. And then, you know, it had a, a wrap-up that, I don't know, if the thought was a little odd and also kind of still left things because, you know, they've got to spin off a new character and, and all the other stuff that they have to do. Uh, but, you know, you want to know how to tell a story in two fucking issues. It's Alan Moore's Whatever Happens Man Tomorrow. Uh, it wrapped up uh, the the silver and bronze age Superman uh, in, in a nice little bow before handing it off to John Byrne to, uh, to reinvent it. Um, and, and what Alan Moore, I think kind of did is Superman had been written off by a lot of people, myself included, uh, by the time they got around to rebooting him in the mid eighties. Um, the books just weren't really solid anymore. And it, it seemed like it might just be the character needed, needed to change. Uh, and then Alan Moore in two issues just reminds us that, no, there was actually absolutely nothing wrong with that character the way he was. They just needed someone to write it a little better. And uh, for that, I think the, the Silver Age uh, fans will always be grateful. Jason? Man, uh, I do love whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, but I've enjoyed Snyder and Capullo's Batman so much, and particularly the Court of Owls. I think it's uh, the best thing about the new or about his batman book he's like he basically for 11 issues says oh you it, you bruce thinks he knows gotham and you think you know batman but i'm going home i'm going to go ahead and twist things around and bruce has actually been a little bit arrogant he kind of brings bruce down a peg particularly when he's down on the labyrinth and i you know i, I wish they'd given us a bit more of a definitive ending to Thomas Wayne Jr., but I, I think he's going to show up in this whole Forever Evil month or, or event thing that's coming up in October. Uh, so, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna vote for Cordell's because it's probably this and Azarello's Wonder Woman has been the book I've enjoyed the most since the relaunch. Uh, vote for Court of Owls. Brian. Yeah, the only thing I really like about the new 52 are the uh, Earth 2 books and Aquaman. Wonder Woman's pretty good, too. But I really wasn't impressed by um, Court of Owls. You know, I like the idea that they're sort of incorporating the idea of an owl man into DC continuity. I think that's kind of cool. I just don't like the execution. Whereas the... You know, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow story is probably one of the greatest Superman stories that they've ever published. So I'm going to go with that one. Paul? Well, I, I put it on there. I'm, I'm going with whatever happened for the man, uh, to the Man of Tomorrow. It was That was the first Superman story I ever read. And it, it's actually one of the first few comic books I'd read uh, 
well, I think it was what 85 or 86 that came out. Um, and I'd never seen something where it would just, it told a story, you know, it, it, I think it really elevated the medium. That I think that's what what people look for. It's um, you know, it's just not it's not what anyone thinks of as being a comic book. It's it's just a very mature story. It's a well written story. It's by far better than the last death of Superman, um, and just brilliant. And uh, Court Owls, good. I, I'm really getting tired of running stories running through, you know, 18 different titles. Um, so, uh, let's see, see if we can get Mr. Moore facing himself later on. Probably not, but he is going into the next round. And if you're still listening, we'll be back, uh, right after this. You know what you should put in the middle there, Mike? What? Uh, the super friends, uh, theme. And then like, the introduction. I like that. All right. You're not going to do it, but with the Ted Knight intro, right? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. And then you could segue halfway through to the, uh, the opening to the uh, Marvel superhero show. Ooh. See? Now we're talking a lot of work. In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe. Superman. Wonder Woman. Batman. Aquaman. And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. Meet a sulky, over-funky, kinda hunky superhero A two-fisted and electrically transistored superhero An exotically erotic and aquatic superhero The Marvel superheroes have arrived Superpowered from the forehead to the toes Watch them change their very shape before your nose Arcade striking superhero, change to fighting superhero. Ah, ding and real, swing and shield, flinging superhero. They're the latest, they're the greatest, ultimate superheroes. The Marvel superheroes have arrived. Hi, I'm Scott Mignola, and I wrote a book called Pinocchio's Forgotten Land. Why write a sequel to Carlo Collati's 1883 classic about a mischievous wooden puppet? Because I wanted to find out what happened to him after he became a real boy, and nobody else would give me a straight answer. So again, that's Pinocchio's Forgotten Land, available now from Amazon and iTunes, with cover art by my brother, Hellboy creator Mike Mignola. Thanks. This is DC Harbold from More Fun Comics in New Orleans, Louisiana, and you're listening to Geek Fights.
Are you recording, Mike? Yes. Okay. <laughs> and we're back doing what we do every single week. Coming at you with Jared Formby, trademark geek cred. Uh, let's see. Who are we going to go to for geek cred? Uh, let's go to you, Brian. You were on last week and half your argument was cut off because, you know, Mike just forgot to record. Uh, what's your geek cred, sir? Um, well, besides being a frequent contributor to the show and uh, having known you guys for nearly 20 years, I, 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 you know, I always, you know, instances like this, I can fall back on the fact that if there's a theme th- song involved with this stuff, I know it. That's, you know, uh, at least until after up to 1984. After 84, it's I'm hit or miss. But from 60 to 84, you know, plus if you read my Geek Fight win- win- ugh, wiki entry, I am a geek of Brobdignagian proportions. If it's, If you can geek out about it, I've geeked out about it on some level. Thank you very much, Brian. Mr. Jason Thompson. Uh, well, yeah, uh, the frequent contributor thing. But uh, as I look around my room and I see my shelf full of graphic novels and my Batman Arkham City statue and my Marvel Now calendar that I got for free from the LCS, I, I'm i assuming I read comic books. I, I'm just going to go out on a limb and say that I read comic books. Uh, LCS stands for a local comic shop. You can't always speak in comic book reader speak, goddammit. Sorry. <laughs> uh, that might be your geek cred, the fact that you call it an LCS, and most people wouldn't pick up on what the fuck that means. Mr. Paul Kowalski, what is your geek cred, sir? Well, I'm a more occasional contributor. Uh, however, uh, I guess the most geek cred would be sim- similarly comic books, dabbling in the horror movies, although right now I'm currently being shamed by the piles of unread books that I'm sitting among right now. Damn you, higher education. Uh, thank you. Actually, having lots of piles around that you keep adding to is kind of geek cred, too. Yeah. Uh, I guess that's good. My stack's starting to stack up, too. How many months are you behind, Mike? On what? On comics, just in general. I know there are some that you're up to date with, but... Oh, most things I'm up to date with. There's a few that I'm way behind on. Really? Yeah. Normally, you're way behind on almost everything. No, no. I actually have to stay more current because of Week and Geek because I have to talk about the shit every week. Or every oh, month. is that what happened? Because like, it used oh, to shit, be. I got three books that I have to talk about tomorrow. I better read them tonight. Yeah, because I, I remember you would be six or seven months behind on things you liked. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I get I, I get a lot less too. Yeah. But anyway, let's uh, jump back into fighting and talking about comic books. Uh, it is the Age of Apocalypse versus Grant Morrison's New X Men. Um, I like Beak a lot. Uh, I like Blink a little bit more, though. Uh, and I like uh, Iceman that got shattered and doesn't know that all he has to do is switch back and he'll be fine. Uh, I, I like uh, Wolverine that was missing his hand but not the claws. I, I, I like One-Eyed Cyclops. I, I, I like uh, Havoc being a really big fucking dick. I, like, I, I liked everything in that universe i like the fact that peter parker was still trying to be a hero the fantastic four were still still good people even though they didn't have powers they still tried to help folks uh 
Age of Apocalypse, I liked a lot. And it's only six months long. It's not actually as long as was stated earlier. It's six or seven months. It's four issues each and then end caps. Like they're, they're, it's a very, very short thing on today's scale of at least a year to two years to telling a story. So I'm, I'm going to go with uh, Age of Apocalypse. Jason? Uh, I, I still like the Age of Apocalypse, but uh, I, I, I just love Grant Morrison's X-Men run. Uh, you know, the guy invented the Stepford Cuckoos, which are the creepiest characters, or at the time were the creepiest characters I'd seen in the comic in a long time. Weren't there five of them? Yeah, yeah I think they're they're down to three, three right now. now, I think. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but a vote for the new X-Men. Brian? Oh, jeez. These are two series I really don't care that much about. Um, but... I will give, I'll vote for Age of Apocalypse just to give it its props because it, you know, it was over over the top. Um, but I don't know if I'm going to be able to vote for it after this round. Probably not. <laughs> Paul? Uh, yeah, I'm also going to go with Age of Apocalypse. I wasn't terribly invested in either. However, uh, I, I like both what they did with the sort of, you know, refresh and revert uh you know get, getting a new new set of eyes on things i i just thought apocalypse was a lot more fun it was big it was kind of silly at times um morrison if if nothing else takes himself seriously um and i i think that fun is sometimes kind of lacking as people you know t- were trying to make their books more adult uh, and I thought there was just more fun to be had in, in the apocalypse, strangely enough. <laughs> Age of Apocalypse gets another vote. Mike? Uh, I'm going to vote for uh, the new X-Men. Um, I enjoyed Age of Apocalypse a lot. Um, but, you know, ultimately for me, uh, new X-Men just becomes, I mean, I can't even tell you who wrote Age of Apocalypse. Um, it's, I, I like the story, but pretty much it just didn't stay on my radar quite the same way. Uh, but I'm a, I'm a huge Grant Morrison fan, and I think uh, Grant Morrison's X-Men is, is part of this kind of great space in his career uh, when he was at Marvel. And I think kind of unshackled from his his love of, of classic DC uh, so that he's basically just writing into a superhero universe the way that he wrote in his Vertigo books. And I think that New X-Men is very much, Mar- you know, his... his injecting the invisibles into the marvel universe and it didn't stick around but while it was there uh it, it shook things up and relaunched the x-men universe and and i thought it was a blast uh so new x-men a uh, vote for new x-men but age of apocalypse yes is moving on into the next round we're on to our next fight jason this one is yours it is the galactus trilogy versus uh wade's daredevil i i, I don't really need to say anything about this yeah, I'm still not going to vote against against Galactus. I mean, that's that's a heavy hitter. There's I has anyone said the I word yet? Because if not, if you want to talk about iconic, ding. A vote for the Galactus trilogy, Brian. I'm going to vote for Wade's Daredevil because Daredevil could totally take Galactus in a fight. 
No. I'm going to vote for the Galactus Trilogy. Uh, Paul. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, well, Frank Miller's Daredevil might be able to take Galactus in a fight, but since that's not this round, uh, the big purple guy's got to go. Mike? Galactus. Uh, I actually think Mark Wade's Daredevil, though, would be directed to the ultimate nullifier by Uatu, uh, thus giving him the advantage. Uh, so I think he could win in a fight, uh, but I'm still going to vote. You know, I this. thought about that as soon as the dumb words left my mouth because I hadn't made my requisite ultimate nullifier reference. So yes. thank you for taking, picking that up for me, Michael. Uh, another vote for Galactus. And doesn't Daredevil show up in the Galactus trilogy for like two seconds? And like, I not the no... original. That was the John Byrne one. Is that the John Byrne one? Yeah. Okay. Yes, oh, the, yeah. the wildly interconnected Marvel Universe of the 1960s, uh, Galactus did not pop up anywhere but the Fantastic Four. Right. Uh, fuck Wade's Daredevil. I'm voting against Wade's Daredevil, giving the Galactus trilogy a clean sweep. We are on to our next fight. Brian, this one is yours. It is the Claremont and Burn X-Men run versus Peter David's Hulk run. Yeah, okay. Um... For all the reasons mentioned before, plus the fact that um, really the uh, X-Men run has given us uh, a couple of decent movies and a TV show that a bunch of people other than me liked and another TV show that I kind of liked, whereas the uh, Peter David run gave us that one second in a movie that was pretty damn awesome. Uh... Wait a second. I was going to vote for for the Claremont X-Men run, but now, yeah, Hulk punching a space worm out of the sky is pretty fucking awesome. Uh, okay, I'll still vote for Claremont X-Men because there is a lot of awesome stuff there. Uh, vote for Claremont and Burns X-Men. Paul? I, I don't trust people with two first names fundamentally, so I've got a serious issue with sending Peter David any further through on that basis alone. Um, I'm, I, I'm, I'm a bigger X Men. I was, a, I was a bigger X Men fan than a Hulk fan, uh, and th the Claremont Burn run just was so memorable. I mean, they they did the uh, Days of Future's Past, like I mentioned. Uh, that, that that the the heyday of the Hellfire Club, uh, the whole Dark Phoenix. I mean, it, it's a massive body of work, um, and it's the body of work that I prefer. So, uh, Chris Claremont and David Byrne, John Byrne, John Byrne, David Byrne. Uh, David Byrne would be good too, but John Byrne will have to do. Uh, Mike, uh, I'm going to vote for the uh, the Claremont Byrne X Men, and uh, you know. I love the Peter David Hulk. Um, and, you know, it's interesting here. We've got Peter David Hulk versus a Claremont Byrne X-Men, not a Claremont X-Men. If it was Claremont X-Men, I would vote Peter David all the way. But the, the Claremont Byrne X-Men is actually very, very brief. And it's really, really good the whole time. And it gives us the Dark Phoenix saga. And it gives us how superhero relationships would be. It, it's the, the first big direct market fan favorite book. I mean, it, it's one of those big gun books, but it's also very, very brief because Byrne and Claremont basically couldn't get along. So they never had the time to go bad. 
And both of them have, are, have turned out much worse work since. Um, it, it went out in flames when they're on the top, just like a fucking rock star. I mean, it's just like Stanley and Jack Kirby, where the artist just says, fuck you, I can write this shit myself and leaves. So it's, it's actually this great, small, brief, but very powerful thing that's lasted all this time because it never had a chance to get bad. And, uh, and that's actually kind of cool. A vote for Claremont, Burn, X-Men. Sorry. I, I'm a little upset here because uh, I love the Peter David run on the Hulk. I, I think the Peter David run on the Hulk is what actually has shaped comic books today. Uh, his 12-year run is one big, long story. Uh, and not as interconnected as the current seven to eight year runs are on people with people's books. But he basically set forth the precedent that you could do that with a comic book character or a, a Marvel comic book character or a DC comic book character. Cause he wrote on Aquaman for a while too. Uh, yeah. That, that 12 year run meant that, you know, other people could have gigantic runs with different artists and, and write not individual issues that didn't connect with each other in any way, shape, or form, but one nice, big, long story that when you look back at it 20 years later, it's like, hey, look at this big, long story. It's great. I'm going to go Peter David Hulk. Jason? Man, I, I, really, I agree with you about Peter David Hulk, Ron Damon, but goddamn, so much of modern comics probably can be laid at the feet of the Burn Claremont X Men run, and you know that long, long shadow. I mean, we talk about the long shadow of certain creators have put on characters. The you know, certain, the long shadow of the Claremont Burn X Men run pretty much goes over all of comics, uh, and not to mention that if there was, if it weren't for Dark Phoenix, I wouldn't have had my favorite Scott Summers moment, which is. Scott Summers becoming the Dark Phoenix years later in AVX. So, burn Claremont. A vote for burn Claremont's X-Men. Burn Claremont X-Men is moving on to the next round. We're on to our next fight. Paul, this one is yours. It is Frank Miller's Daredevil versus Oh Hot Moo. <laughs> well, this is, yeah. I mean... If, for again, for as great as the labor of love that the Ohatmu is, I think when when you're really talking about you know what what represents you know the best of one of these companies, um, I don't think m people are going to look at the Ohatmu in however many years and say, "Boy, that's that that that's the mark of a of a quality ship they're running here." Whereas you know the Frank, the legendary Frank Miller run on Daredevil uh, has has an actual legacy. Uh, so I think that's it's a pretty easy call, Frank Miller. Mike, yeah, this is tough. Do I want to be funny and fun and actually put forward something that uh, is kind of a cool idea and that I really do love kind of deeply? Um, I mean, I, I that's one of those things where I've, I've got the original issues. I have every kind of reprint they've, they've done of that original group. I would actually probably buy a new Ohatmu. I'd love if there was a, you know, a, 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 I guess a DVD now, even a website or something or an application that, that kind of did all of that same stuff and presented that same information. But, you know, Frank Miller's daredevil is really, 
one of those kind of groundbreaking runs. And I, I, I was just kind of lucked out. I was my, I picked up daredevil one fifty nine, which was his second issue, uh, off, off of a seven 11 in, uh, Inkster, Michigan. And, uh, and I've actually been back to that Seven Eleven. They don't have comics anymore. Seven Elevens don't have comics. Um, and, and and pretty much was on there that whole ride. And uh, I, I think I didn't even appreciate it as much at the time. I was still much more into traditional superhero comics. And you know, I was a John Byrne worshiping motherfucker. But as as I've gotten older and really kind of changed and expanded my ideas of, of what a, a good comic book is, um, I go back and I read those Daredevils, and I just I'm just blown away by how ahead of their time there were i mean they, he wasn't necessarily the first person to do this kind of stuff other people had done it but he did it effortlessly and uh he certainly did it in marvel comics where it was not being done so uh, i think it's it's a pretty extraordinary work and everything miller's done since then has has is kind of like born out of this so uh you know that 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 cast not just a long shadow over daredevil but uh, daredevil cast a long shadow over frank miller starts here and i don't give two shits about that goddamn shadow um the ohatmu is not a funny pick it's actually a very sensible pick uh the ohatmu fills in the cracks the crevices it gives you more information the information that you wanted as a kid the information that the people who are now controlling marvel dc and comic books writing these things now it's the information they had it's the only information they had because it was hard to go back and find back issues you had to search. It was hard to find trade paperbacks. They were rare. They didn't happen very often and only on the biggest books. But you had the Ohatmu. And the, the Ohatmu pointed you to the things that you like. I like Wolverine. It says here in issue one something something of this that Wolverine does this. And if I want to go find the whole story, I can go back to it. It is one of the most important fucking things to ever happen to comic books. Uh, it's not a joke pick. Don't get me wrong. I love Frank Miller. I like his run. I, I understand what it did for Daredevil and Frank Miller. But Frank Miller himself is a fucking asshole. He created the spirit. And the Ohatmu has an overreaching effect that I don't, I, I don't think is going to end within the next 10 to 15 years. It's still affecting comics today. So I, I'm going with Ohatmu. Jason? Man. Uh, that's passionate, dude. Uh but at the same time, the rules you and Mike set forth when we, or when you invited me onto the episode was best story or best run. And as much as I love the handbook, there's, it's not a story. It's not a run. It's, you know, it's a kind of meta text thing. It's, it's the story of the Marvel universe. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's in, it's not in the form of a storybook. It's more in the form of a handbook. And, and Miller's Daredevil run, you know, when they reboot the movie, which they inevitably will, they're not going to, they're going to go right back to Frank Miller again. So it's, it's not like when they rebooted Superman, when they rebooted uh, Incredible Hulk, when they rebooted, when they reboot Fantastic Four or the X-Men, they're, you know, they're, there's Frank Miller and then there's people, you know, doing their doing their Frank Miller uh, routine. So Frank Miller's Daredevil run. Uh, vote for Frank Miller's Daredevil run. And Brian. Okay. 
First of all, I'm going to argue the point that Ohatmu qualifies as a run because it was originally released as a run of comics. And it's been originally released, re-updated several times as a run of comics. They have issue one to whatever issue whatever. Even though it's a limited series, it is a run of comics and therefore qualifies. Two, look, I openly acknowledge to having a preference for DC Comics and DC Heroes. But I still do love Marvel Comics. And most guys who love Marvel Comics, who are Marvel Comics guys first, will point to the fact that the Marvel Comics is more realistic. Okay? DC Comics characters have their basis in sort of magical, magic and aspiration and you know, much you know, much more superpower based. Whereas these Marvel Comics guys are usually practical science based applications of things, and that was what made people. That's what made it possible for people to relate to the characters more. That and their more realistic, down to earth depiction in the stories, because the characters are that way is what lends itself to the Ohatmu. If you look at the Ohatmu versus DC's who's who, DC's who's who is much more general. It's much more of a flavor and a feel for the characters because the DC's who's who, DC universe is much more mythic in quality. Marvel Comics is kind of like a science fiction superhero universe. And so the Ohatmu is very much reflective of that on a meta level, it's why do you like the Marvel comics? Because we can talk to you about the real world practic the real world science that's getting tweaked to turn into Spider-Man's web shooters or Captain America's shield or the battery life of Iron Man's armor. It appeals to that sophisticated level of thinking about superheroes. It's Marvel comics have generally been considered the comic books for people who are growing up, or at least in that mid-level before you get to the point where you start being able to accept things without all the practical application. So, the Ohatmu is a representative of the heart and soul of the Marvel Universe, Marvel overall. The Mar- um, Miller's D- Daredevil is probably is, is a good Daredevil story, probably the best run of Daredevil stories, but it does not in the same way reflect the Marvel Universe. So I'm going to vote for the Ohatmu. I'll vote for the Ohatmu. But you Frank Miller loving motherfuckers are letting the Actually, Frank- Damon, Damon yeah? I, I got I gotta jump in between you and Brian. I, I got to have like a like a deathbed conversion here. Uh, I, I'm going to uh, switch my vote to the Ohatmu after those incredible explanations. Wait. Yes. Before you change, technically, while it is, you could argue it is a story, it is not a comic book. Point number one. Point number two, <laughs> yes. while if the, the facts and the figures and all of that is not what we're talking about here. We're not talking about the universe. We're talking about the best story. And those are not a, li- a, a list of plots and numbers and issues. That's 
that what makes comics great is not that it's the storytelling and Frank Miller on daredevil is, is a, is a master at it. And if you really look at it, all of modern comics narrative comes from what he did here. It, uh, you see the transition from thought balloons and omniscient narrators to first person to completely silent, uh, all in the span of this at a time when those other things were prevalent. And nowadays those things are gone. Uh, all the stuff that you see, I mean, Alan Moore on Swamp Thing is still using those kind of conventions. I mean, Frank Miller literally transforms the way that we tell comic books with this run on Daredevil. I think that's kind of more important than just the facts and figures of the Marvel Universe. It's a great read and it's a lot of fun, but it's not what makes comics great. It's the stories, not the details. You know, I would argue that except for the fact that even in 2012, after Joss Whedon tells you a great story about the Avengers, he closes his movie with the images of all the hardware and all of this. You get Captain America's shield and Iron Man's armor and Hawkeye's bow and Black Widow's blasters. All of that stuff is real. It's the stuff that makes the Marvel Universe different from the DC universe. And if the, and if the hot move isn't a, a comic book, then I don't know why I got 20 issues of comics called the handbook of the Marvel universe. Okay. Well, on, to be technical, it's not comics because it is not, it is uh, text with images. It's, it's basically a textbook. It is a book in magazine. Format. Yeah. But, but a comic book isn't just a six panel story or a 10 panel story there are comic books that are told with one illustration and a page of text also those are not comic you books. want to talk about you, yeah but oh really so okay that, i mean that's but a also, different debate but that is not but a comic also book. but also you want to talk about the stories all of the stories from the marvel universe are in the Ohatmu, or at least the important ones, the significant ones. It is not only does it tell you about who the characters are, not it does it tell you about who their powers are, but it recaps all of the important stories that everybody loves. No, it doesn't tell the stories in the same way that 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 you see in a traditional comic book, but everything is there. It's everything about the Marvel Universe distilled. Paul? Well, I... I... Well, I, I guess I'm going to go wobbly on this one. Um, ultimately, I think having having heard both what what you said there and what Brian said there again, it, it, it was the phrase. It's got all the stories in there, which that part makes it seem like a cheat to me. It, it's one thing as looking at it as a, as a work on a whole, but to say it's got all the stories in there, I think it does, it, it, it does those original stories a disservice. You don't get, uh, you know, dark Phoenix. You don't get, uh, the, the Miller stories of Daredevil or any of these stories, uh, f from reading just the Ohatmu. It's that's, that makes it like cliff notes. Um, and framing it like that, I think it swings the balance back to uh, Frank Miller. For me, anyway. And Frank Miller's Daredevil is into the next round. It hurts a bit, but it's okay. Uh, 
Oh, you know, we might have to stop because uh, Twilight Breaking Dawn Part 1 is on. And uh, I was planning on watching that. No, I'm joking. I'm just fucking around. We are on to our next bite. We're back into DC. Mike, this one is yours. It is Planetary versus Wade's run on The Flash. Ooh, this this is uh, this is is rough. Um, I'm going to go Planetary. This one really is just a which one. Uh, am I more likely to read which one uh, is is my favorite? Uh, I've I've got this sitting on the shelf. Uh, right now, I can see an absolute format. Uh, I've got some of Wade's stuff collected, not all of it. Uh, I have it all in individual issues, but those are all in storage. Um, so yeah, I think I will go with Planetary. It, it just it, it it connected more with me. Uh, vote for Planetary. Um, I love the shit out of Planetary. Uh, my favorite part about Planetary is the first six issues when you don't realize he's telling an interconnected overall story. Uh, but he he actually is. It's a it's a great story. I lo- I love the overall story of Planetary. But uh, Mark Wade's Flash run is the first run I ever went back and got every single issue. I had every single issue of the Mark Wade Flash run, a- including the the pieces that well the there was the Jeff Johns part, and then didn't Wade did come back after Johns, right? Yeah, and it was pretty bad. Yeah, it was horrible. But I I have those issues too. So I, I, I had, I had that entire run. The the Flash was like my number one character because I've I, that, that's one of my favorite powers of all time. Uh, flight is number one, but number two at a very close second is super speed. Super speed, you don't really even have to worry about like falling. You have to worry about tripping, but yeah, I, I'm pretty uh, uh, pretty agile. So uh, I've always wanted to be the Flash. Uh, I, I really did love that run. I loved all the sciencey stuff that he put in that run, even though it it's not real science. Uh, I'm going to go with the Flash, the Mark put Wade the flash run. Flash. Yeah, they are flashbacks. Uh, Jason, uh, you know, I I haven't read all of Wade's Flash run. I also haven't read all of Planetary, so that's kind of a push there. Um, I'm going to go with. Wade's flash run, even though you know I'm a little mad at it because it knocked out All Star Superman, one of my favorite Superman stories. Planetary's only 27 issues. How have you not read 27 issues of Planetary? Because I haven't. Jesus Christ. Because <laughs> it took like eight years to come out. Hey, yeah. hey, hey. We're well, not talking yeah. about how long it came out. It was so erratic. You know, Planetary kind of annual, you mean? <laughs> Yeah, there was a good year and a half gap between 26 and 27. But anyway, uh, Brian? Uh, oh, hot move. Uh, that's already died. We're, we're into planetary versus the Wade run on Flash. I still want to vote for a hot move. But I'll, um, I'll uh, vote for planetary because, uh, you know, I like I like I like that the big pen like I like I said earlier in my in my geek cred, I'm geeky about a lot of the things that that people can people can be geeky about. And and Planetary is one of those books that's geeky about a lot of the stuff that people are geeky about and they try to bring it all in together, at least in terms of comic books and, and, and action heroes. Uh, vote for Planetary. It is all tied up. It comes down to you. Oh my goodness, Bella's dress is amazing. 
I have not. This is a look at that dress. It's so pretty. Uh, sorry, it comes down to you, Paul. Uh, which one is going to take the win? Um, it, it's a tough call. It's you've got you've got a great run on Flash, but I really appreciate. I like the ambition of Planetary. You know, re- release date issues aside, and you know, you know, spreading it out over most of a decade for you know. If not that many issues. Um, it's the scope of the thing. It's ambitious, and I think it really rep- that sort of thing represents, you know, what you can look to a company for. Um, and if we're going, you know, the Marvel side versus the DC side, um, I, I, I want to. I got to give credit to that ambition. So, planetary. A uh, vote for planetary, and planetary is into the next round. We are on to our next fight. It is Batman Year One. Versus Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Uh, I voted against Dark Knight. Will I vote against Batman again? Will I say no, bat, no to Batman and no to Frank Miller? Because actually, he was actually kind of nice when I met him. But the the whole scenario was really fucking shitty. Me and Pete. Sat yeah, that was more my room. fault than Frank Miller's fault. What? What? What was your fault? The Frank Miller scenario, because you were in line for me. Yeah, I was, but still. Uh yeah, I'm not blaming Frank Miller for that. Uh, I'm blaming us for not being for being uh what is it, introverts and sitting at the back of the room as opposed to sitting at the front of the room because we were the first ones in there. Had we sat in the front of the room, we'd have been in the front of the fucking. Well, they line. also ran it kind of backwards because you thought the back would go first. Uh, eh, whatever. It doesn't matter. We're talking about a story that none of you know. know. We're way inside now. It's inside baseball. We got to meet Frank Miller and and get autographs and talk to him. It was pretty nice. Um, but the Alamore Swamp Thing run, it gives us Vertigo. <laughs> I mean, and, and Vertigo spawns off people who didn't want to do the fantasy comic books, because I think that was pretty much the, uh, what, what was indie, the indie comic book universe at that time? Because uh, I, I don't even know, because... It, it, you know, I was too young, and I, you know, I'm not going to go back and read old comic books that weren't <laughs> Superman or or Spider Man. I, like, I, I, it's one of those things where, but Vertigo gives thing gives me things like books of magic and Preacher and and stuff and Animal Man. Even though Animal Man is a DC character, it gives you a, a lot of stuff that I later would read at Image in different formats. Like, hey, I don't think I'd ever read Walking Dead had. Alan Moore Swamp Thing not come out and helped create Vertigo and changed the the landscape of comic books for me. So uh, I'm going to go with Alan Moore Swamp Thing. Jason? Man. Uh, I'm trying to think of a, a way to get this where it's not a push for me without going, you know, Batman fan and saying because it's Batman. Uh I do like both of these runs a lot. And right now, one of the characters... All right, I'll go this way. Right now, one of the characters I'm enjoying most in the New 52 uh, is John Constantine and all the things he's doing in J.L. Dark and now in his book. So John Constantine came out of the Swamp Thing run. So without Swamp Thing, there'd be no John Constantine. So Alan Moore Swamp Thing in a battle of the misogynists. 
Jared Formby Corollary, Elmore Swamp Thing gets a vote. Brian? Yeah, well, at the end of the day, I like uh, funny books about people with capes with animals on their chests who fight crime. And in uh, this contest, there's only one of those. And that's Batman. So I'm going to vote for Batman year one. And uh, not to say that the Swamp Thing isn't good. It's just not, you know, there's not enough punching people in the Vertigo books. So there you go. Uh, Vote for Batman year one. Paul. Uh, it, yeah, again, I, I identify with the not wanting it to be a push and just saying, but I like Batman. But you know what? I like Batman. It, it's really tough for me to say that I've gotten, as much as I like the Vertigo books, it's impossible for me to say with any degree of honesty that I have gotten more enjoyment out of reading them than I have about reading the the Batman arcs and the, the character development that has all followed from Batman year one. Um, and if not for that, I, I would have been deprived of all of it. So year one. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Ortiz, which one is moving on to the next round. Um, th- this actually is, is kind of easy. Um, and, uh, you know, you guys keep talking about vertigo and, you know, Swamp Thing brought us a vertigo and, you know, you may like Batman or anything. Uh, Alan Moore writes one of the best Batmans in his run on Swamp Thing. Uh, when Swamp Thing takes over Gotham City, uh, go back and read it because that book is not a vertigo book. It is embedded in the DC universe. His first run has Superman and Firestorm and the villain is the Floronic Man. I mean, that was not a book set outside the DC Universe. It was a book that encapsulated the entire mystical side. It was a crisis tie-in. It basically told the mystical side of Crisis on Infinite Earths with uh, Zatanna and Zatara and the Demon and Dead Man and the Spectre and all of the magical heroes of the DC Universe get reinvented by Alan Moore. All DCU stuff. That's why we get Vertigo is because you can create a superhero book like Sandman because that's basically what it was. Um, Maybe not a traditional superhero, but it was, hey, we have this character Sandman. Let's do something new with it. Same thing they did with Animal Man, which eventually was a Vertigo book, but started as a superhero book. Um, All of that stuff. I mean, Vertigo is is just just kind of the most recent expression of it. Just all all of the the mature stuff. And And I would actually invoke the Formby corollary here and say clearly no Alan Moore swamp thing, no Batman year one, because to have the balls to do what they did in reinventing their universe begins in Alan Moore swamp thing. Alan Moore swamp thing is moving on into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Jason, this one is yours. It is preacher versus green lantern, green arrow, hard traveling heroes. Well, I can vote for something I haven't read in the first round and be fine with it. Eh, but, and I have read a few issues of hard traveling heroes. So, I mean, I've read a few issues of hard traveling heroes and I haven't read Preacher. So, Green Lantern, Green Arrow, hard traveling heroes. Brian? 
like I said, the uh, the last page of Petri pretty much ruined that entire series for me and, and began uh, a long hate affair that I have with Garth Ennis that's only rivaled by my hatred for Mark Millar. So I'm not going to vote for that Scottish asshole. I'm going to vote for whatever is up against him. I'll vote for Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes. Paul? You know, I'm I'm actually going to have to go with Preacher on this. Um, I like, although I think I've actually read less of Preacher than I have uh, that, that particular set of Green Lantern, Green Arrow stories. Um, at the time, they were really topical. You know, you had, they sort of inserted a lot of current events and social commentary. And while I like that, you know, it, and it has its place sometimes, it was a little too heavy handed for me. If you're going to do that, at least make it a little more subtle and, uh, you know, less of a, you know, knowing is half the battle GI Joe sort of situation. So preacher. Mike. This, uh, this is tough because I, I know, I know how you're going to vote. I think I know how you're going to vote. Um, and, uh, and, and I think I'm going to vote the same way and, and vote for preacher. I mean, I think I'm putting green lantern out here. Um, and I'm fine with that, even though I think that's a phenomenal run and a great series. And, um, you know, it is heavy handed, but most comics of its time were heavy handed and I don't think it, it, it did it any more so than that. Um, it's probably more, quote unquote important uh in the grand scheme of things and and certainly you know neil adams is is one of the best artists uh, i think of all time but preacher did something that i am a big fan of and that is something that, that vertigo really kind of i think does better than anybody else and that is just kind of the single very long form story so sandman does it even though it started off not doing it and books like the invisibles did it Preacher does it. I guess Fables will do it. I don't know. It still seems like that one keeps going. But they're, they're so good at, at books that are or 100 bullets, you know, 50, 60, 70 uh, long runs by a consistent creative team or a fairly consistent creative team that tell lots of individual stories that tell one big story that all works together. And I think Preacher is the best expression of that because it does have this consistent creative team. I think it's, it's creative direction and vision. Uh, are consistent all the way throughout. Uh, the tone is is great. Um, yeah, if you don't like Garth Ennis's stuff, then this is not for you. But I do like Garth Ennis a lot, and this is you know quintessential Garth Ennis. Uh, I, I, he goes excessive, but when he goes excessive, it's funny. Uh, and I don't, you know, Brian, you're going to have to remind me, and I don't know if we should just avoid it for spoilers, what that last page was, because if it's what I think it is, I thought that was pretty awesome, but maybe I'm confusing the order of events. Um, well, it's, it's, it's the last page in part of the story where uh, all story long he's been um, he's been searching for God, and he finally meets him on the last page. And you know, for me, it's just kind of see. I thought the last it, page was the page with uh, the vampire. No, no, the last page of the story is where he basically meets God and and. I have problems with, you know, just from, from a, from a moral and philosophical, you know, perception. It's, it, it's the, 
I blame God for the fact that the universe is fucked up as opposed to blaming man for the fact that the universe is fucked up. And that, that at the end of the day, that really just, that's petty and childish. And I, I can't, I started disliking him at that point. And then as more of his stuff I read, the more I disliked him. All right. I'm still voting for Preacher, though. Uh, vote for Preacher. It is all tied up. It comes down to me. Mr. Ortiz, you almost swayed me. Uh, you got it wrong. Uh, Green Lantern, Green Arrow is much, much, much more important to comics. You, you said it. Uh, it, it, it is. I, I don't know if we end up with Preacher if Green Lantern, Green Arrow, hard-traveling heroes, him smacking that motherfucker in the face when he's trying to shoot fucking heroin to it. Uh, and, and it was heroin. Uh, like that's the, that's the thing. Most of the time, when when it's uh, drug related in comic books and in TV shows and cartoons, they make up a drug. They'll make up it. It's it's super this thing. And it'll, yeah, Harry Osborne was on unidentified pills. Right. Uh, they 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 don't they don't really say hey this is the this is the drug. And, and they they were like this is heroin and this is what heroin does to you. And you'll steal things. And you become a horrible person. And, and now as an adult, knowing what people go through to get off of heroin, like the, that makes that story much more hardcore. Plus, it, what, when did that come out? 70 what? 71, 72, somewhere there. Right. So not late 70s, early 70s, when uh, DC was definitely Caucasian. And uh, they, they brought up a few issues that were on the mindset of people who were a little bit more liberal because Green Arrow was extremely liberal in that comic book. So uh, I'm going to go with Green Arrow, Green Lantern, Hard Traveling Heroes. Moving into the next round. I love you, Preacher. But it's moving on. Brian, this one is yours. It is Kingdom Come versus Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow. Wow. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll go with Kingdom Come only because you know, if at, at, at the end of the day, we didn't spend a couple of hours of, of airtime discussing whatever happened to the man of tomorrow, and, and we did on uh, Kingdom Come. Kingdom, they're both great stories. I just kind of think that Kingdom Come has a little bit more there. And in terms of being Superman stories, you know, I think that that in terms of discussing what makes Superman a really cool and really great character, Kingdom Come, because I guess it's a larger story, talks about that more in depth. So it's, they're more, Kingdom Come is, excuse me, whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, I guess, on steroids. So there you go. A vote for Kingdom Come, Paul. Yeah, I, I, I think the, the steroid comparison is is pretty apt i mean it definitely takes a lot of those themes and sort of enhances them i mean i mean hands down i think kingdom comes a much a much better looking book than either of the the two halves of whatever happened to the man of tomorrow i mean alex ross does a does a great job with his style um but i just watching Taking Kingdom Come and making it so far removed from Superman, uh, just you know, coming back from retirement, that whole thing, it, I think it's easier to do 
to do that story, that sort of story about, you know, Superman struggling with things and changing as opposed to, you know, this two issue, this is, this is the Superman, you know, and it's, it's watching that Superman's world sort of darken in, in real time as you're reading those two issues. And I think it's, you know, the use of the character uh, Mixelplik is is really what gets me with that. Because the one line where Lois sees him and um, just references his appearance is like, he, he, he didn't look funny anymore. And that really encapsulates that whole two-issue story to me, is things got less funny. They got, you're not used to seeing, you know, the the star-spangled Superman character watch things kind of fall apart around him. And I thought that was a really novel thing for that particular character at that time. Um, and, you know, I guess Moore, Moore did it first. So I still have to go with uh, whatever happened to the man of tomorrow. Mike? You know, this, this is very interesting that we have these two Superman stories going up against each other because uh, there's really a lot in common. Uh, they both are, are kind of alternate futures uh one's uh, an ending one is kind of a new beginning um but what i think is interesting is both of them have at least it, it one core moment in one way uh something very topical which is the idea of superman killing uh and in uh whatever happened to the man of tomorrow superman uh deliberately kills mitzelplik uh and then says the the classic line no one has the right to kill uh, not even Superman, especially not Superman. And he exposes himself to gold kryptonite, loses his powers, and retires. And and everything at the heart of Kingdom Come was Superman's loss of faith because people chose a superhero that would kill over one who wouldn't, even though killing uh, would have worked in his best interest and the best interest of, of most people. Um, so both of these things kind of have that at their heart, which is you know, kind of the, been the argument going on with the Man of Steel, which I think is kind of interesting. Uh, for me, as much as I love whatever happened to the Man of Tomorrow, I actually uh, just bought a copy recently because uh, someone had it uh, on closeout for ten bucks. It's the the new hardcover that's got that and all of Alan Moore's other stuff uh, for Superman, and I got it for ten bucks. However, Kingdom Come I've always bought for full price unless I stole it from the Comics Cafe, and I also did steal the original trade paperback of Whatever Happened to the Man of Tomorrow from the Comics Cafe as well. So that one's still a wash. Uh, Kingdom Come I've paid for many times. Uh, I've bought it digitally. Um, I think it is one of the best things DC's ever produced. The artwork is just so phenomenal. I mean, I, I, I love Kurt Swan and George Perez, but uh, Alex Ross, this is his best work, just bar none. I think this is the best artwork he's ever done. Uh, the character redesigns are fantastic. Um, you know, we did a whole episode on it for a reason because it's. I think it's one of the best. And uh, as much as I love Alan Moore... And I love that storyline. Uh, this is just so much bigger for me. You know, uh, what's odd about Kingdom Come, and I just, just thought about it right now, it's Superman's Dark Knight, Rise, or Dark Knight Returns. It's, it starts out the almost the exact same way. He hasn't oh, yeah. been doing it for several years, and then yeah. he comes back to it. And, and the funny thing is, it's still, it's not, it, it, we think of it as a Superman story because Superman is the character that we're being, it's a weird silver agey thing because Norman is the narrator and he's, he's observing it, but he's not a, uh, he's not outside of 
the the issues. He's he's there, but he's still narrating what's going on. Uh, and you know, he, you've got Superman, you've got everybody in there. But and, and I don't know why, but it, it is a Superman story because Superman is DC Comics. He is the first superhero. He's the one that inspired everybody to go forth and do this shit. And uh, you know, I, I I love I love the shit out of Kingdom Come. Uh, I think I uh, and by the way, Mike, I think I stole those for you. By the way, I don't think it, you stole those. Uh, no, no, I got because I, I was still working there when uh, one came out. Yeah, but not, uh, Kingdom Come hardcover came out after you quit. Are you sure about that? I am absolutely positive. All right, okay, you stole it for me. I, I stole that one for you. Manage tomorrow, you know, Superman Manage tomorrow. You stole it. I think I got that from Comics Cafe Gross Point. Yeah, because. Uh, I remember Kingdom Come didn't stay in issue format. Didn't start coming out until uh, we both worked in the one uh, near Woodward. Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, but uh, I'm voting for Kingdom Come, Jason. Um, man, it's tough choice because I I like them both, and they're both kind of a nice little alternate universe epilogue for Superman, especially Kingdom Come, because doesn't it go ahead way, way, way forward in the future? It, towards the end, right? It shows like great, great, great grandchildren or something like that. Uh, unless no, that's there's one a million, I think. that's one million. I, I, no, oh, okay. It's just it, it shows them six months later and oh, okay. Wonder Woman's I, pregnant. Wonder Woman's I get confused. Up. They got a super baby. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, I'm gonna go ahead and vote for whatever happened to the man tomorrow because I, I feel like. That one's also a cool little greatest hits of the Silver and Golden Age Superman. So, and I do like my Superman a little bit more Silver Age. Fuck the Silver Age, Bronze Age all day long, motherfuckers. Uh, Kingdom Come is moving on, and we're on to our next fight. This first spot in the final four, Paul. This one is yours. It is the Age of Apocalypse versus Galactus. I know which one's going to win here. <laughs> uh. I, I love this part of my bracket where it's just, it just says Apocalypse versus Galactus. I'm like, that's pretty good. Um, but it's also like, that's that, that's a hands-down one for me. Um, well, maybe it's not. I don't know. Uh, all in all, I think that this sort of comes down to legacy for me. And what what that you know Galactus trilogy... The lasting impact for that is just so much more so, I think, than the Age of Apocalypse. I think the Age of Apocalypse was like a fun sort of like summer diversion from, you know, the endless Sea of X type, the the standard Sea of X titles uh, that were going on. Um, whereas Galactus, I mean, he's Galactus. What, what are you going to say? He's the world eater. Um, so I, I, I say you got to have Galactus in the final four. Uh, vote for the Galactus Trilogy. Mike! Yeah, I will also vote for the uh, Galactus Trilogy. Um, Age of Apocalypse, it, it was a, a fun story. Uh, I enjoy it a great deal. I, I Other than the original issues, I don't own any kind of reproductions of it because it's not something I feel compelled to go back to. Um, I've got a lot of Galactus, um, even, even just new Galactus. I mean, uh, I think just this week, uh, Galactus pops up in the Ultimate Universe because he is one of the great Marvel villains, and it, 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 he's not a villain. You know, that's the other thing. It's just, e- even that early on, this idea of a strange moral ambiguity 
Uh, he is advanced. He does probably have every bit the right to eat us if we have the right to eat animals. He's farther above us on the evolutionary chain. So why the hell not? Um, it, it's really kind of some interesting big questions that that stand that Jack Kirby would kind of wrestle with for the rest of his career. I mean, really, all all of of what follows with him really starts here, uh, and the Surfer too with Stan Lee would would kind of define him in a lot of ways. So it's. It's really kind of not just not just this high point in the Fantastic Four, but this sort of launching point for for uh, a, a lot of what both Stanley and Jack Kirby would do later in their careers. Well, this is bullshit. In the books, they totally beast fuck. I don't even understand that. He just breaks the bed. He, that's it. They beast fucked in the book. They beast fuck. Anyway. I am voting for Age of Apocalypse. I'm going to be the lone vote for the Age of Apocalypse. Age of Apocalypse is only on here because of its connection to uh, the well, my entire life. Uh, without the Age of Apocalypse, I don't meet Mike. This doesn't happen. But more than that, I don't. I don't have great friends that I've had for almost 20 years. So, uh, yeah, Age of Apocalypse. And what's weird about Age of Apocalypse is it's not collected into one big omnibus. It's all a bunch of separate that, issues. There's too many for that. I, well, there, it's what, 10X titles? I, 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 it's yeah. Excalibur. Although they've, they've recently co- collected it, into, I think, into like four big omnibuses. Ooh, then maybe I'll pick those up. Excalibur, yeah. X, F- Factor X, uh, The Astonishing X-Men? It was The yeah, Astonishing X-Men. Astonishing X-Men and uh, was Amazing X-Men? I don't, I don't remember what the other one there was. Were two X-Men's, there were two each, X-Men. There were two X-Men. Each X-Men book got a, got a reboot. Uh, uh, X Man. Yeah, there I can't remember all of them. It was uh, Gambit and the Externals. I'm trying to think. Weapon I almost X. have them all. What Weapon X and Generation Wep- Next? At Weapon X and Generation Next, and then uh, Excalibur. Yeah, but it was X. Yeah, they spelled it differently. Yeah, and then uh, what's the what? What was the one that had the rest of the Marvel Universe in it? I can't remember that. Oh one. yeah, there there were just there was like a, a mini series, and then there was was there an Alpha and Omega. Yeah, an Alpha and in. Omega. But then yeah, there's just like it. Age of Apocalypse that had Peter Parker and Bruce Banner and all of them. Yeah, but it. that that was the the offshoot separate little book. Yeah, I can't remember the title of that, but there was just one other just general Marvel Universe book. Yeah, isn't there a book in in the AOA uh, the Age of Apocalypse uh, universe right now? Yeah, yeah. They retconned that it never went away. It's just an alternate dimension. So yeah, they retconned that a, a while ago. The, the Nightcrawler that currently exists in the Marvel universe is from that universe. Yeah, I know that. But uh, yeah, I'm voting. For and I think Dark Beast is still here too. Yeah, Dark Beast. Uh, uh, X Man is still in the in the universe somewhere. Is he not dead? I haven't seen him in a while. I don't think he died. They just stopped writing him. Uh, Jason. Uh. Yeah, you know what? Um, pretty sure it's three to one, so I'm I can feel safe in voting it's for the age two of to one. <laughs> it's two to one. Oh, I thought I'm sorry. I thought I was I thought I was five this time. My nope. bad. Uh, I'm still gonna vote for Age of Apocalypse. Oh, it's all tied up. It comes down to Brian Towns and a man who grew up reading Stanley and Jack Kirby. <laughs> yeah. Um, and did I mention that Apocalypse is probably one of my least favorite Marvel characters of all time? No, I'm not going to be voting for the age of a pork chop lips. I'm going to be voting for the uh, Galactopus story. 
You know what's funny about Age of Apocalypse? I think he appears Nothing. in I, he appears in like two issues. <laughs> He's not in it really at all. Oh, I guess I could tell you what the story of Age of Apocalypse is. Uh, somebody somebody goes back in time and kills Professor X before uh, you know he uh, before he's able to do really anything. And Magneto is the one that leads the not just anybody. His son, uh, Legion, right? Yeah. Uh, but uh, goes back in time and kills him. And uh, Magneto, being Magneto, Magneto is the uh, Malcolm X to his uh, Martin Luther King. And that's the universe we ended up with. Uh, but uh, yeah, Galactus into the next round. We are on to our next fight. Mike, this one is yours. It is the Claremont and Byrne X-Men versus the Frank Miller Daredevil. Oh, this is, God, this is rough. This is uh, definitely two uh, titans, two kind of books that, that really changed the face of, of comics when they came on the scene. Um, I enjoy the X-Men as characters more, and I enjoy them as characters more because of what Byrne and Claremont did um, and the tone that they set that many others followed. But I think I'm going to vote for Daredevil because it is so much more signature. And, and even, you know, even if you do kind of expand it and, and think of not just all the other creators, but, but yeah, the things that came from it from, from Miller himself, like uh, Electra Assassin and Electra uh, Lives Again and Daredevil Born Again and Man Without Fear. I mean, all of this that, that, that comes from what Frank Miller started on the regular, ordinary comic that was not that long a run. He started on 158 just as the penciler. He doesn't take over writing for uh, to like, like 181 or something like that. There's no 168. So it's, he, he's, he's not really on it that long again, but it's left these, these big ripples just not in his book, but, but throughout comics. Um, so yeah, I think that even though both of them probably have had a, a, it equal in influence. I think just personally on, on an aesthetic level, I, I like the influence that Frank Miller has had, not necessarily the, the grimness and the grittiness, but I mean the evolution of, of the storytelling. I mean, his panel, his panel layouts, his, his, the way that he, he moved through a book story wise was just something very different that had been done in uh, the silver and bronze age uh, at Marvel comics. We are assholes. <laughs> We're still talking about this. Um, it's got to be the Claremont Burn X-Men. It, wait, isn't um, Days of Future Past in that too? Or is it just... Yeah. Uh, fuck. <laughs> so that's another got, movie. That's another movie. <laughs> Jesus Christ. You've got Days of Future Past and the Phoenix Saga. <sighs> come on come on X-Men Jason you know I think at some point during the 90s 8 out of it, probably like 8 out of 10 comic book fans probably read some sort of Wolverine and had him as towards the top of their list of Marvel favorite Marvel characters or at least it felt that way and that that Wolverine started here. And, you know, Wolverine hasn't gotten a whole lot of love 
on this show. So one more reason to love Claremont and Byrne. Brian. Um, yeah. Uh, I will vote for the X-Men because it was the X. It was those stories that really didn't get me reading comics. It got me into reading Marvel comics. Um, well, yeah, the more, the wider Marvel universe. I've always read Spider-Man and Daredevil. Well, not always. Anyway, but the X-Men all got me into the Marvel comics universe as a whole. And they're just way, way, way more. Everything that Mike talked about as being influenced by, by, um, Miller's Daredevil run are, 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 well, not, well, are a bunch of the stuff that I don't like about comics nowadays. I miss thought balloons. I miss omniscient narrators. Why? Because without them, then we have this expanded storytelling where it takes six months to say Peter Parker goes to the grocery store. I, I, uh, I, I can't support that. So, uh, clear my next man, burn clear into my next man. Uh, Paul. Interestingly, what got me reading Marvel Comics was the the Wolverine series, but it was uh, Chris Claremont and Frank Miller. So I guess they're both sort of responsible for that. Um, but again, that that Wolverine uh, came from the Claremont Byrne era uh, there on X Men, um, and I'm I'm just more partial to to that whole storyline as opposed to or that that character family. Uh, than I was to Daredevil. Uh, Miller's work on Daredevil was brilliant, but you know the, the character just didn't grab me the same way. So I, I say, uh, un- unfortunately, I don't think Mr. Miller is making it through. I would like to point out that the Wolverine you're talking about comes from, like you said, comes from the miniseries. And where do you think Frank Miller got all the ninja stuff? Chris Claremont didn't write no fucking ninjas. The reason Chris Wolverine's Claremont did write no ninjas. The reason Wolverine's in Japan is because Frank Miller loves ninjas. Wait, isn't that that's that's the next movie? Yeah, it comes out in a couple yep. days. Oh. Yep. <laughs> Frank Miller's Daredevil, but it's Wolverine now. Uh, well, actually, I, I think the the thing that yeah, I, I will make I, I'm not going to change my vote, but I will think I do think that Frank Miller changed the way you write a single character. Not a team book, but I think the same thing can be said for Claremont and Byrne on X Men. That's they changed the way you write a team book. So uh, X Men is into the the final four on to our next fight. It is Planetary versus the Swamp Thing. Uh, I will very quickly vote for Swamp Thing. Jason, Swamp Thing. Brian. Planetary. Paul. I'll go with Swamp Thing. Ortiz. Uh, okay, well, I'll, I'll go with uh, I'll go with Planetary since Swamp Thing is winning. And Alamore Swamp Thing is in the final four. Jason, for the last spot in the final four, this one is yours. It is Green Lantern, Green Arrow, Hard Traveling Heroes versus Kingdom Come. <laughs> Uh, you know what? For the Alex Ross art porn alone, I'm going to vote for Kingdom Come. 
Brian? Kingdom, come dumb. On your face, you dumb whore. Uh, <laughs> Paul? <laughs> well, since we're getting into brief vote mode, uh, this, this is clocking in, <laughs> in, going on three hours or something like that. Um, yeah, I, 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 I dig art porn. So let's go with uh, Kingdom Come. Mike? Sure, Kingdom Come. <laughs> uh, I'm still going to vote for Hard Traveling Hero because, like I said, DC Comics will, has always been and will always be uh, definitely Caucasian, DC. But for a brief moment in time, they were aware that they were definitely Caucasian, and that, that made me happy. <laughs> they are no longer aware. And they made a black green lantern. And they made a black green lantern, but they are no longer aware that they are definitely Caucasian. I'm like, what? This is how the world is. Like, no. Okay. How your neighborhood is. Definitely Caucasian. Uh, Kingdom Come in the final four. We've got Galactus Trilogy versus the Burn Claremont X-Men. And we've got Alan Moore Swamp Thing versus Alex Ross and Mark Wade's Kingdom Come. Uh, Brian, this first one is for yours. It is Stanley Jack Kirby's Galactus Trilogy versus the entire run of Claremont and Burn on X-Men. Ooh, wow. Um... Oh, uh, yeah, I, I actually think that Claremont and Byrne was an improvement over all the things that I like about Marvel Comics. So then, then Galactus, and I just think that they took everything I liked about the Galactus story and then dialed it up a notch. So I'll go with Claremont and Byrne. Paul. Well, I, 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 I'm going to go back with what I initially said when, I mean, I just have to deny Galactus, but I don't like, I don't like cosmic stories. I know, uh, if I recall correctly, I know there were some of the, there were those in there with, uh, Claremont and Byrne. I know Phoenix probably counts as cosmic. Um, but the rest of it is, it's just so, even the cosmic story was very grounded. Um, and so I'll give, uh, I'll give Claremont and Byrne the nod. Mr. Ortiz. This uh, th this is, is really tough. You know, it's interesting. We've got a 60s book up against a 70s book on this side and an 80s book against a 90s book on the other side. Uh, it pains me, but I will vote for uh, the X-Men. Um, I think Galactus certainly is bigger than the Phoenix um, but not bigger than the X-Men. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, that, that pretty much put the X-Men on the map. Uh, that's not when they were at their most popular, but I think that is what got the ball rolling. And, uh, and really it's a, it's a fairly quick, uh, tight run that is, uh, that is really good. And like we've mentioned, it's already spawned like two movies. Um, so yeah, I will go with, I mean, I could be swayed. But I doubt it. I think uh, I think I know how this is going to go. I'm amazed at you, Mr. Ortiz. Because uh, the, the thing about Mike that most of you don't know uh, that are listening, when it comes to uh, comic books, he likes things on a very big cosmic scale. That's his, that's his bread and butter. Uh, while you've heard Paul talking about ground level stuff, 
uh, Mike is pretty much the exact opposite. He's a cosmic guy. I thought for sure he would vote for Galactus Saga or the Galactus Trilogy. Yeah, but the Phoenix Saga, I mean, that's Phoenix eating Earth, or Phoenix, you know, they're almost eating Earth and threatening it, is, is just a, a bigger, blown out, longer Bronze Age Galactus story. Yeah, but without the Jared Formby corollary, without the original Galactus trilogy, does it happen at all? True. I, I, True but I, then I, I'd be voting for Superman if you really want to. Just like <laughs> Action Comics number one would be winning. Right. I, I guess. I guess you are correct. Uh, the, the corollary does break down there, and I think. It, I think the, the, the corollary thing, always breaks down with "I don't care. I like the other one more." Yeah. <laughs> Uh, now, correct me if I'm wrong. Does the interplay between the the characters in the X Men comic book is that it starts with Claremont, right? Where oh yeah, he creates the soap yeah. opera. the soap opera. Yeah, it, it, and, and essentially, the Wolverine that you know and love wasn't the Wolverine that exists in the Marvel Universe right. until Claremont got his hands on him. Uh, it's, it's, I don't care about Wolverine. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I like Wolverine, but that, that's not going to be a deciding factor on this one. Uh, X-Men already has enough to win, uh, and it's winning the, the Marvel side as it stands now. Uh, I, 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 but the, the soap opera aspect of that comic book uh, changed all comic books. <laughs> Uh, that's one of those things, and I know I know it was there before, but I'm I'm talking about the interplay between characters because for the most part, with the Fantastic Four, they get along, with the exception of occasionally Johnny Storm teasing the thing. Uh, that's that's usually what happens. But in the X Men, there are people that out and out dislike each other. They don't. They work together for a greater good, but they don't like each other, and uh, that comes with those guys. Uh, that's the thing I like about team books. That's that's why when I read the Avengers or or Justice League or anything like that, and you've got characters that aren't all always chummy chummy with each other, uh, it links back to that. So I'm going to vote for X Men as well. Brian, is it a clean sweep, or are you going to give a little love to Galactus? Um, I could I could give a little love to Galactus, but you know, it wouldn't be enough. Galactus is somewhat insatiable. Uh, but yeah, the idea I already voted. I voted for Claremont Burn X Men. Oh, Jason, sorry. That that's okay. I was going to vote for X Men. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, Marvel winner is the Claremont Burn X Men, which uh, everybody knows is the perfect and uh, only good X Men ever. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this next fight is yours, Paul. It's for the D. What's going to represent DC up against the Claremont Burn? Uh, is it Alan Moore Swamp Thing or uh, Mark Wade and Ross's Kingdom Come? Well, if if you know we're if someone's got to carry the entire weight of the DC universe on its shoulders, it needs to be a work that uses basically the entire DC universe. Uh, as good as Moore's Swamp Thing was, uh, it it's almost an anomaly in a way. Um, you know, I know we've referenced that it did start with you know super you know the normal DCU cast of characters but then it sort of branched out and and laid the groundwork for all this sort of separate the, the separate vertigo line whereas kingdom come i mean that's that that's the justice league taken to its natural level of dysfunction so uh if there's any worthy opponent for the x-men in the final round it's got to be kingdom come mike this is really tough and i'm kind of going back and forth um 
I I think that a lot of the separation that that people attribute to like I really don't think of Swamp Thing as the first Vertigo book. I think uh, that Hellblazer is the first Vertigo book because tonally it is it is like that all along, and it is very clearly. Even though it is set in the DC universe, it doesn't interact with the DC universe. But Swamp Thing really does a lot more than I think people remember. I mean, there's, there was that big storyline at the end where uh, he takes over Gotham um, and Lex Luthor's in it. And then when they shoot him into outer space, he visits Ran and he visits Thanagar. And he does a little tour of DC's uh, outer space stuff the way that he was kind of a tour of DC's... Um, mystical stuff so i think really is a lot more grounded a lot more embedded and i think it's just at the end of the day alan moore what he brought to the character this kind of reinvention what he brought to comics in general uh, all really begins here i mean uh kingdom come is a great book but kingdom come is ultimately kind of a book that's a response to the way comics had been revolving uh, but Alan Moore is one of the things that that initiates that discussion. Uh, I think just in the grand scheme of things, it's it's more important. And and I think you know there's a lot of contribution. The contribution of the artists is, is overlooked because of Alan Moore. And I think they they do an amazing job. Uh, Alex Ross is is one of the best. But uh, I don't think you can count out John uh, Totalman and Steve Bissett and Rick Beige, and uh, and just the book in general. I mean that's. That was a weird, risky, groundbreaking book by a, an unknown. Um, you know, it, it's that classic story of, of somebody given a book that's basically on its its deathbed and it turns it into something magical. And uh, and I think that's Alan Moore. And uh, I think that's Walton. This sucks for me. Because, you know, I kind of want to vote for Kingdom Come. But I also want to vote for Alan Moore Swamp Day. Goddamn you, Mike Sharking Ortiz. Um, I think I'm gonna go Alan Moore Swamp Thing, but I might be swayed. Uh, Jason, what it comes down to me, or for, what it comes down to for me, is that uh, my favorite DC stuff is usually writer driven as opposed to art driven. Uh, you know, and when I think of Kingdom Come, I often think of the art first. But when I think of Alan Moore's Swamp Thing, yeah, Alan Moore is kind of a weird guy, and I, I'm not especially fond of him as a person. But his writing, it, it can't be denied. He's an he's a fantastic writer, and Swamp Thing is right there. And some of the best writers who came into comics were brought because Swamp Thing hit so well. So I'm going to vote for Swamp Thing. Change my vote. <laughs> you swayed me, Jason, because you're right. You do think of Alex Ross. The first thing you think of, and usually overwhelmingly what you think of uh, when you think of Kingdom Come is Alex Ross. But uh, Mark Wade is the only person who's ever written for Alex with Alex Ross that th that story is perfect to me. Uh, Marvels is okay. Kurt Busiek. Um, some of the other stuff that uh, what Paul Dini did uh, a bunch of giant size books with Alex Ross. It just just didn't feel right. Kingdom Come does. 
so I'm switching my vote to Kingdom Come. It is all tied up. It comes down to you, Mr. Brian Townsend. So I get to make the decision? Yep. What, which am- one is representing DC? Oh, Kingdom Come. Because in the end of the day, then we have a, uh, a Justice League versus, versus Avengers thing. No, not Avengers, but uh, X-Men thing. And, you know, they did JLA Avengers. I want to see JLA versus X-Men. There you go. Yeah, you know, it's it's funny. The X-Men have been, for the last two, two and a half decades, they've been the major team in the Marvel Universe, and they've never crossed over to fight a team on the DC side, really. Teen Titans. Uh, Teen yeah, Titans. But come on. Really? Teen Titans? They're not big guns. They were at the time. Those were the time. two were huge guns. comics up against each other. No, uh, yeah. what, I'm, what I mean, okay. Uh, Mr. Ortiz, this fight is yours. It is X-Men done by Chris Claremont and John Byrne versus Kingdom Come by Mark Wade and Alex Ross. Ooh, this is tough. Um, but I think I will stick with the, the Byrne, Claremont, X-Men. Um, you know, it, it, this would have been tougher, I think, if it, if it were Alan Moore, because I think the, the impact that, uh, that Alan Moore ha- has had uh, is is equal to or greater than uh, than X Men, um, but I, I think Kingdom Come, even though it's a great story, a great Elseworld story, uh, very well written, very well illustrated. Uh, it's it's a great single standalone thing, and it is one solid unit. Whereas this run is is a bunch of individual stories. Uh, I think the run is more. Uh, important and has had uh, a greater impact uh, and then very specifically on me i mean that's that's the book that that i fir- that i really first got into I and mean, i like the fantastic four as just characters in general but when i got to the x-men um that's when i really started noticing and coming to understand artists and writers and things like that uh, that's when i realized that john byrne had also drawn other books like uh, Spider-Man books and Marvel team up. And then when he wound up doing the fantastic four Marvel two and one, I mean, that's the book that really made me appreciate the people who do these things more than just the characters. Um, and it was really kind of that one of those sort of beginning books for me. I mean, that's the, the for me corollary, uh, no burn Claremont X-Men, uh, no Mike's a geek. So, uh, I think I'll just have to go with that. I'm eating a donut. Why couldn't you be talking more? Okay. Um, so the other reason why is... I'm done uh, eating a donut. Okay. I was going to say, because I actually just... Just to, to go back to my very first argument, uh, I have... Uh, this week, uh, I got a copy of uh, Doomsday Point One by John Byrne, because I am still John Byrne's bitch. And I hate John Byrne. <laughs> I, I mean, his art's okay. I can't stand his writing. But, but it, it's one of those weird things that I think the that run uh, on X-Men is probably the culmination of everything that had come the 20 years before it. And I don't mean in X-Men. I mean in comics in general. I think... I think this was the boom, the groundswell. This is the this is what everybody was writing towards. Uh, this is when you had 
artists who could be writers at the exact same time and and writers writing great stories and and the Marvel way. I forget. They were they were doing that the Marvel way, weren't they? They weren't fully yep. scripted. That uh, was all plot driven. That's why it was all, co-plotter. Yeah, so, you know, it, it it's I think it's a culmination of everything that comes before it and and just like Kingdom Come is is the the crestfall, the culmination of all the quote unquote hateful '90s comics, even though there's nothing wrong with '90s comics. Uh, but I, I think it's the the or actually '80s comics. I think it's that 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 point in time where they're like, we're getting too violent. This is this. This is this. Why can't we go back to those good old days when we you know killed people and fried people and did stuff before? It's just it wasn't on screen <laughs> or on panel or on page. Um, Kingdom Come is very very pretty. So is so is X Men for the time. If you actually look back at all the other comics that were coming out, there were only like two or three other artists that were at that at that same level. For me, you know, I'm sure other people will argue. Oh, these guys were better, but you know, John Byrne was at the top of his game at that time. Um, I've never, I've never been, I've never been a DC comic fan. I'm a Marvel zombie. I want to vote for Kingdom Come because Kingdom Come is amazing. And Kingdom Come is tight and Kingdom Come is small. Uh, it's four issues and an, and an addendum. Um, but there's something that I, I, I'm going to go X-Men. I'm going to go X-Men. Somebody might be able to sway me. Uh, Jason? Uh, I'm going to preface this by saying I am first and foremost a DC guy. Uh, most of my favorite comics come from DC. Uh, Marvel, primarily Spider-Man, but there's a lot of X-Men. And like I said earlier, uh, Grant Morrison's X-Men is one of my favorite X-Men runs. And, you know, I like what's going, what Bendis is doing right now. I like a lot of X-Men. And where that all starts is with Claire Martin Byrne. Kingdom Come's all right. It's one really well-told story. But Claire Martin Byrne is a lot of really, really well-told stories. So what I got more enjoyment from is the X-Men. So in this case, this DC guy is going to have to go with Marvel. Brian? Again... Having been somebody who's who's read comics for a long time, I, I kind of like the fact that Kingdom Come is sort of an answer to a dark period in comics. And unfortunately, that dark period in comics had its start with the Burn Claremont X-Men, because after Burn and Claremont left the X-Men and they had taken it to unprecedented new heights. Marvel wanted to maintain those levels of numbers and sales with the book without actually being willing to maintain that level of quality and innovation. And so in order, you know, to keep those numbers up, you wind up with, you know, foil covers and a lot of crap that went on. And even at one point, 
them getting to the point at Marvel Comics where they add where they, they have a tagline on the Spider-Man books, the non-mutant superhero or something like that. Because basically the burn X the burn Claremont run on X-Men was had a lot of good stories and had a lot of influence on writers. Unfortunately, it had a lot more negative influence on comics as a whole. And I, 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 and pe- and you don't have to agree with me on this. This is just, I remember the years of the nineties, late eighties and the nineties and just cringing. And, and, and when I looked at the Marvel racks, because I could see them chasing that ghost without actually chasing that ghost without actually doing the things that they needed to do. And, and so for me, the, the, the whole thing about kingdom come, it was sort of like, and, and the industry as a whole kind of went that way. And the thing about, I liked about kingdom come was that kingdom come was kind of signified them coming back to the idea that, you know, maybe we need to be talking, writing stories about, superheroes being being good guys not you know being outsiders not being ups, you know on the fringes of the society and fighting you know for good even though that's what they you know people hate them and all this kind of stuff maybe we need to just write stories about people who are good people and have decided to do good things with their abilities and and even though they do go through that sort of period in the story where people are just angst written and all that kind of stuff at the end of the day it comes down to somebody making a choice to do the right thing for the right reasons and I wish there was more of that in comics so I'm going to go with Kingdom Come Paul well I'm a DC guy uh, in general or have been for the last you know half of my collecting and reading life. Um, but I, I guess I'm drawn, I'm drawn more at the, Im- I, I think it's, it, it's tough to take an individual work, uh, a four issue thing and compare it to a, a run with as many story arcs as uh, Byrne and Claremont had going on. Um, so I, I, to, for me, Kingdom Come is at a disadvantage right off the bat. But I think when people look back, um, I, I see the Claremont Burns, uh, the, the after effects of their run as being a little more positive uh, than, than Brian does. Um, I mean, I can't fault them for the, you know, 90s Marvel era of, you know, die-cut, holographic, foil-embossed, uh, you know, multiple covers. I mean, that's that that's a money grab, and I think they were looking at being trying to make trying to have an issue be unique as opposed to the story be unique. Um, so that that I view that as very separate from what Claremont and Byrne did. They they told good stories. They told solid stories. Um, they they really. They did humanize the characters, and they did make them flawed. And yeah, maybe that gave rise to some, you know, poor imitators later on that just made unlikable characters. Um, 
but on the balance, I'd say their their legacy is far more positive. So my my vote has to go for X Men. And no more DC Marvel. Marvel wins. DC goes down. Definitely Caucasian goes down to the Claremont and Burn X Men. Thanks for listening. Oh wait, yeah, we're wrong. We're wrong. We're completely no, but, totally the, wrong. It's Secret no Wars Two. This it's not Secret Wars Ev- Two. Everyone knows the greatest comic book run ever was the first six issues of Power Girl by Palmiotti and Connor. That was pretty good. <laughs> uh, no, everybody knows that the absolute best thing ever is Death in the Family. Oh, I totally <laughs> wish I had been thinking when I made my list. I would put Death in the Family on here. God, that was such a good story. I love how they killed Robin. Uh, but anyway, does anybody have anything they'd like to plug? Uh, Brian? No, I have no life. Uh, please don't listen to the last half of the last episode because I get really, really, really creepy. Uh, I don't know if that's on there because uh, Mike, Mike, Mike is missing half uh, a half hour of that show is not there. Yeah. So okay. you may not I lose think, your... Uh, I think the creepy no the creepiness does start. Yeah, it starts because there is a reference to. Uh, ah, never mind. <laughs> um, uh, Jason, anything from you? Uh, no, I'm good. I, in a couple hours, I'm gonna have to go get a crown put on my tooth. So, woo, uh, Paul. Uh, regretfully, I have no uh, commercial products to plug at this time. <laughs> Well, I don't either. Uh, special thanks to goes to Karen and Christy Woke and Chris Mitchell and Jared Formby. Jared Formby creates our intros, and they're kind of amazing. Uh, you can check out all the other stuff he does at www.heystartrek.net. You can still be a part of the Wikia. Uh, I don't know if you, the other two of you, Jason and Paul, uh, get in contact with Christy Woke. She'll put you in there. She'll put it, she, she loves doing it. I don't know why, but she does. Uh, yeah, Mike? I think I want to take the... She loves doing it. I don't know why, but she does make that the uh, out-of-context. The, the blooper? <laughs> no, um, there's an out-of-context all the way at the end. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, uh, I actually do have something, something else to plug uh, in addition to myself. I want to plug a, a book called... Pinocchio's Forgotten Land. It's uh, by a guy named Scott Mignola. It's Mike Mignola's brother, and Mike Mignola did uh, the cover and illustrations for it. And I've actually uh, talked to Scott a little bit. He's a pretty cool guy. And uh, this is is actually kind of a sequel to uh, to the original Pinocchio story. You can get it on the Kindle or on iTunes. And actually, hopefully, he will have you have already heard a a, a plug during the break. Um, uh, I, I, I wound up talking to the guy because he was, he tried to, uh, to get the book on, on week and geek where you can find me talking about comic books every week. And so there's my plug. Uh, you can find us at geekfights.net where we have lists of show ideas that we aren't going to do. Uh, we have links to past episodes, which, uh, if you haven't listened to go listen to them. There's a bunch of them. There's going to be 175 plus however many bonus episodes we put up. Uh, not much else. There's a, there's a, a graphic every week that, uh, that I'm sure nobody looks at, but you can get the brackets that we normally have. Uh, but really just look for us on Facebook and Twitter. PayPal. <coughs> oh, no one's going to donate now. The show's over. As a thank you? Oh yeah. So if, if, if you want to say thank you, 
you can give us some money. <laughs> but if not, just go to Facebook and continue these discussions. Uh, we'll have links to all kinds of fun stuff. Don't forget to add, yeah, because Josh is constantly putting up Amazon buys that yeah, are really good buys. deals. It's a, you know, a, a, all the cool stuff that's going up on the internet, including that weird, creepy countdown thing. Uh, yeah. And most of it is not me or Mike. <laughs> <laughs> most well, of it is you Josh can usually Christie. tell it's, if it's me if there's no uh, capitalization. capitalization or punctuation, unless I'm deliberately trying to fool people. Yeah. Uh, don't forget to rate and review us on iTunes and the Zoom Network. And uh, no, actually, oh, go ahead and forget it because we're over. We don't care. No, 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 no. I still want to see some up there. I still want to see so. And you can still be a part of the fucking show. Uh, yeah. On iTunes and the Zoom Network. Yeah. That's, that's what I'm supposed to say there, Mike. You're, it's, you're, you're, you're next. Oh, yeah. If you want to contact us, uh, geekfights at gmail.com or on Twitter or Facebook. Like he said a hundred times. Uh, that's all it takes to join the Legion of Geeks. Might, yeah. might have been the longest one I've ever done. Um, next week's episode is Best Simpsons quote. Maybe. Uh, uh, any and all ideas are still welcome. We're not going to do them, but they're welcome. Yeah. <laughs> Unless you really wow us. Well, no. There was a guy who sent an email about doing a uh, Game of Thrones to tie in with his Game of Thrones podcast, but I don't remember the name of that podcast at the moment. Uh, and there was a guy who wanted to do a Best Arcade game. Yeah, I remember that one. But that guy is actually just going to be on uh, Best Simpson quote. Oh, We're okay. still having people we've never ever talked to on the fucking show, so you can still be a part of this shit. Uh, until next time. Keep fighting the geek fight. Hi. Well, that was painful. <laughs> yeah. That's that last note of the whole show. <laughs> <laughs>the second round was going on twilight breaking down part one was on so i was turning back and watching them play chess and i did watch him fuck her but he i'm, I'm not even kidding in the in, in the book he beast fucks her and then he, he 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 almost loses control and almost rapes her so i had no idea that all native americans were werewolves <laughs> wow you 
You know a lot about Twilight, man. What? Well, let's see. I've watched the first three movies with the riff track going, and then I've heard stuff about this the fourth movie, and it was the one I wanted to actually watch, but then it was like two parts, and like, oh, you're a little full of yourselves, uh, because I know he basically rapes her when they have sex for the first time. Of course, it's after marriage. Good Mormon girl. Uh, and then uh, she has a she immediately gets pregnant from having sex one weekend <laughs> over two days, immediately pregnant. And it's a vampire baby. And uh, does she have to does she have to turn? I think he has to turn her into a vampire and then the vampire baby comes bursting out of her belly. That's what happens in the book. So that's what I was. That's why I know too much about twilight because it's a happy, sappy love story bullshit all the way until the end where he beast fucks her, gets her pregnant and then a baby rips out of her body. <laughs> so it's like this whole like female. It's a fantasy. very anti-sex thing. Right. Oh, it's very anti-sex, but it's a huge female fantasy weird thing and then right at the point where you would think okay they live happily ever after the happily ever after is just fucked up like oh just fucked up so see yeah. this is why ladies is crazy no <laughs> no it has nothing to do with ladies ladies who like this are crazy they all like that no they don't all like even if they don't like that twilight like that but the idea of the the absolutely not they all like something that's gonna fuck them over. Yeah, because the very next thing after Twilight ended up being what Fifty Shades of Grey, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's like it didn't, not, that's not fucked up at all. <laughs> I, I think I think Fifty Shades of Grey was huge because of Twilight. Yeah, I, I think Twilight's what does it. Yeah, but Twilight goes well, all the well, way back to Dracula. Fifty Shades of Grey to... was Twilight fan fiction. That they had to change the names on to get it published. What? Yeah, it's you didn't know that? I've heard Twilight that. I've heard that too. Yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. It's a, it's a retooled Twilight fan fiction. <laughs> that makes it even better. <laughs> she she loves doing it. I don't know why, but she does. <laughs> 